We are back for another week of SPS Fly Fishing Podcast, and what is going on, my good friends? Nice to be back. It is. It feels it's like forever <clears throat> again. We say this every time we do this, but it does. It's been two weeks, but it feels like a goddamn century. Mm-hmm. I miss you guys. I forgot how to talk through a microphone, I think. You never knew. No. <laughs> just, just rest your nose in that little divot that's aren't right in the top. A, oh, yeah. There, there's there's my spot. Yeah, the rest will go from there's there. There's my You'll spot. Right. Okay. <laughs> just set there it right in there. Pretend to nuzzled in right at home now. Pretend the top of the microphone's your wife's taint and just put your nose right there. Wow, that went south quick on this one. <laughs> we need to get to the plugs <laughs> and Chad just took a nope. way out there. <laughs> Here comes the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to go south quick, boys. Speaking of plugs, hey, we are brought to you tonight by Predator Fly Gear. Get all your, uh, there's got some buffs, it got the winter hats, the beanie caps that we've been all wearing today and yesterday. We need them today, man. Oh, absolutely. PredatorFlyGear.com. Also, Sims Fishing. Find them at SimsFishing.com. Hey, tonight's show is being brought to us live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check them out at UrbanFlyCompany.com. Tied on A-Rex hooks. Freshwater, saltwater. Whatever you're looking for, ericshooks.com. Our buddy Ryan Evans, Queen City Guiding, queencityguiding.com. I'm seeing him in a couple weeks. Can't wait to get up there. Two weeks, and you'll have a full report of fishing with Ryan, right? Damn right. Mm-hmm. I'm pumped every year. Yeti. Yeti coolers. Yeti, they're built for the wild. And uh, why not fishing? Check out their app, The Dock. <coughs> and still, and, and uh, also, thingamabobber, but they don't know it. <laughs> yeah, man. We use that. Sheffield. I like the big tall one. Sheffield. I like Sheffield. <laughs> when precision matters. 
they, they make a pretty good glove too. I can't lie. Landing I, glove? No, it's just like some wool cut oh, finger. Okay. You know, like a regular glove. Shit, we could use. Yeah, yeah they actually. I, you think I used to have an old pair of Sheffields? Yeah, yes, you did. And I, <laughs> I, I think I'm rocking like just some Field and Stream ones, but the pop top, and you definitely need them now because we're mm-hmm. staring at 20 degrees outside here in western Pennsylvania. Yeah, for what, two days? Yeah, no, well, but still, then it's 50, go back to 70. 50 this morning, 47, 48, mood swing. I mean, whatever went hell happened. I don't know. I was out of the tree stand this morning. Shit starts blowing. Leaves are going fucking up and shit. I swear it, it dropped it 10 not, degrees. It had to be in like... Half hour, minutes. yeah, no, it, it changed, and then uh, now, like I said, we got the backside of whatever the hell Zeta or what hurricane was spinning, and and it's crazy out there. First snow of the season going on, so sweet. Yeah. And hey, get your Sims and and, and button up. Mm-hmm. We do have a guest tonight. Uh, Josh McQueen is coming on. I can't wait to talk to that dude about uh, some pike and some steelhead and everything that Ohio has to offer. He's a, what, Mad River Outfitters, you know? Uh, they changed the name of the guiding service, so we're... I, I, we'll figure it out. It's escaping me <laughs> at the moment. But, Perfect. Uh, but we will get into that with Josh. So, um, uh, what what do we want to get on to first? We had zero production meeting before the show. Yeah, I don't know. We can always go in chronological order, like we uh, usually do. Anybody fish last weekend? I did. Why don't you tell us about your trip to Maryland a little bit? I caught stripers. Let's talk like, about it. Real live saltwater stripers. So just uh, schoolies though, huh? Yeah, just schoolies. Um, I will say, I have met a few dudes from the south, and most of the dudes that I met from the south run on South time. <laughs> I was I was messaging Mark at like ten thirty. I was like, "Hey man, I'm like eight beers deep, and we haven't even thought about moving the boat yet." <laughs> like eleven o'clock. It was like. All right. Uh, were they just looking at it? They were looking at it. They were like rigging up rods. They're all they like everything they should have did yesterday or like last time. Thirteen spinning rods. Um, well, we, everything moves a little slower south of the Mason Dixon. We we couldn't put the rods in the boat because we were looking up or uh, because uh, the guy wanted to check his color his color spread. He's like, I gotta see my color spread. Okay. We could put these boats in the rod and you know get them ready to go. He's like, I gotta check my color spread. Okay. So uh, it was like noon. We get the boat all loaded up. We had like 47 pounds of ice because we're going to catch so many stripers. I think we're allowed, there are four of us. We're allowed four fish over 20 inches, you know? And, you know, we're meat hunting. That's what we do. So uh, we go out and, what, 1230, we launch the boat. We head out. We start hitting these islands. It was super cool because, uh, it was like when we go smallmouth bass fishing. You cast it structures on the bank, like little points coming off the islands. Or if you see any sort of structure, you cast it structure. And like super shallow, like we were in like five, six feet of water. And catching schoolie striper. Boom, boom, boom. I caught three like like this. Then uh spinning rod or I was throwing a fly, fly rod with a pink over white clouser. And I ended up I ended the day with three stripers, and the, there are two dudes uh, casting spinning rods, and they ended the day with three stripers. We know these guys, right? We know these dudes. They're my family. I love these dudes. Best dudes on earth. So, uh, you know, um, we fished until about 3.30. We ended up 
floating this one long grass flat. We were cast in the grass flat. We didn't move anything, but it looked like super fishy. Like everything I'd seen on on the interwebs and on magazines and stuff, we were like a three-foot grass flat, like sporadic grass. And we thought, hey, maybe there's some speckled trout in there. There wasn't, or or they didn't want what we had to, th- or what we were throwing. Then we go to start the boat back up. Oh. The boat goes, bah, 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 boom! Oh shit, that didn't sound good. And then the boat would start, bah, 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 and then one of the pulleys wasn't moving, and the boat was squealing. I was like, Hey Mike, we better shut this boat off. We don't want to, we don't want to like burn that boat up. Out here, we're 10 miles from nowhere. And if we burn a belt up, then we're, we're totally fucked. We have no water pump, you know, nothing. Um, so he'd crank it over, boom. It was getting hydrolocked. It was sucking water in, and I think it was putting water on top of the piston from the the manifold. It was It's weird. Boat motors are weird. I'm not used to the way they work. But I think that's what was happening. And instead of... <coughs> Having the cylinder being all the way, like able to all the way push up, it hits a, a pocket of water and stops. Boom! And that's what the boom was. So we were out there like, hey, what are we gonna do? I was like, I was, I was starting to freak out, man. I'm I'm a northern boy, in like floating toward the Chesapeake Bay, with no motor. I was like, well, what the fuck are we gonna do, guys? <laughs> you know? And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, pop, pop, pop. We were like, oh yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I was like, oh, shit. Shit's getting real. So we started popping tops along with them. They were making phone calls. And uh, luckily, one of their buddies that they fish, or they know, like they drink with a lot and hang out with, he was out there. So he had like a 90 horse on uh, an 18-foot skiff. We were in like a 23-foot boat with, it's a big fiberglass boat, like weighs a shitload. You know? So... He ended up coming over and pulled us back. Our max speed, I think, was seven miles an hour on the way back. So, uh, it was like right around dark time when we got back to the boat launch. And that was all good. We had, we had a good time. We caught six fish. We drew, Did you troll on the way back? Yes, as a matter of fact, we did. <laughs> <laughs> seven miles an hour. <laughs> that one rod was like fully corked the Musky whole way. trolling. They're like... We're not going to catch anything. Like, why not? Freshwater fish eat this fast. <laughs> Rip it. <laughs> but uh, that was cool. Um, we got back that next day. My family, they were like, they were like, let's drink. Let, let's get on this shit. But I was up at 8.30 that morning. Started drinking at 8.30 that morning. I was like, uh, guys, I'm ready for bed. I'm sorry. Debbie Downer here. Went fishing. I'm toast. So, so what about those stripers? They didn't have no 20-inch breaking. No, <laughs> the biggest one I caught was like 16. Uh, big, biggest one Josh Ward caught was like 16. But the next morning, Jason, you'd be interested in this. We woke up at like 4 in the morning, drove over to my cousin Reggie's place. And we went sick of deer hunting. The, we're sitting there, sitting there. He's like, you know, like 7 o'clock. I got a feeder right over there that's uh, it's going to go off. On a timer. I was like... No shit, we're like sitting like within shot of a feeder. And then the sun came up, I was like, oh shit, it's right there. <laughs> There's a squirrel like climbing into the feeder. So is there but, a whitetail on this property too or just sicka? 
There are whitetail as well. I saw them later in the day. Nice. But uh, we sat there till about 8.15, saw nothing. 8.15, I'd never muzzleloader hunting before. Weird. Boom. And then it looked like Justin Christopherson was blowing a A vape vape pad. I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. (laughs) I know someone that does that. (laughs) It's a loud-ass douche flute, but... I guess the the guy said he shot like thirty five feet in front of the deer. Like <laughs> he shot way low. I was like, oh, okay. So we got we sat there for like fifteen twenty more minutes. We got out of the blind and uh started walking up the side of the soybean field. And I was like, hey, Reggie, there's one right there in front of us. And this sick of hind, that's what they call the does. Was like walking right at us. Hey, there it is. And then Reggie's buddy, uh, what's his name? Roy Jr. started a four wheel up and the sick of hind started bouncing across the soybean field, like away from us now. It turned away from us. And heading toward his buddy, whose name is Teeny Jug. That's that's his name. I was like, Why is he called Teeny Jug? I don't know. And I don't know his first name either or his real name either. Where's Teeny Jug? <laughs> oh, okay. But he's the one that missed the deer. And this deer, like, they they run like mule deer. They bounce. Boom, boom, boom. It was running right at Teeny Jug. And I don't think he's, I don't think he saw it. And Reggie tried calling him. Thought, hey, there, there's a deer, like, bouncing across the field towards you. He didn't answer the phone. Deer went in the woods. It's gone. They have, uh. Playing a game or something. They have kind of like an elk rack, though, right? They do. That That was a doe. So, it was no rack, but it was small. It was like sixty pounds. And now they said that's a big one. Get okay. it? They were wanting to get it. Yeah, <laughs> it was like hundred fifty yards out. I'd never shot a gun, like not. I had never shot a muzzleloader, and I wasn't gonna take a shot at a deer running across no. the field, if hundred fifty yards. Going toward Teeny Jug. Are they shooting like uh, <laughs> traditional flintlocks? Are they no. shooting ones with like the rifled barrels in lines. and every, in lines and all that shit? Yeah. Yeah, it has a, a cap and everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, primer. A primer. Yeah. There you go. <clears throat> Caps, percussion, different kind of ignition. Okay, that, that's what you call You'll it. You'll get there, bud. <laughs> ah, muzzle loaders are they're actually, I feel, the, the best gun. Like, I, I don't know, from Ohio, so you get weird, weird decisions, but. That gun is very accurate. Yeah. All the way back, you know, just how heavy the barrels are. And you get like a fluted, you get like a fluted high end one, dude. You're talking 150s, nothing. This was a Primo or uh, that wasn't it. Um, CVA or something? Optima? Optima. It was an Optima. Oh, yeah. yeah, They were good. That's that's like an upper, mid mid class one for that make or that gun maker. They're They're decent. That's what I shoot a bunch of CVAs. They're nice. I smoke deer with them. I got deer with open sight muzzle loader, which I think's about you know if you want to challenge that'd be the route to go. But they're hands down. I got I feel like I could put mine underwater and shoot it. It's that that good of a gun. You know what I mean? They make them that nice now. So yeah, definitely muzzle yeah, loader hunting man. They're not your traditional. Uh, you know, you're not stuffing a a a, a round. Well, know. not even that. Not it's not a round ball. You're using yeah. the same you savage style. Yeah, you but yeah, it, I mean, they still are. You oh, they're nice. Oh, them old. Here. Well, them old school ones. They still get the job done, pellets, dude. Though. A lot of guys I knew when mm-hmm. I first started in Ohio had to 
the percussion cap, the 211. It was like, and then it's like a, a brass, got brass on the gun. It's like, oh, it looks like old school gun. Like, that's, I'm like, you hunting with that, bro? Did yeah, you get man. that off the fucking mantle? I, I didn't order uh, Thompson Center, and it didn't go Hawking. off. No, it was an uh, um, encore. Encore? It I didn't mean, go off. I, I laid that thing slayer. down, and I was sitting there jacking around with the end of a knife trying to get the cap back off because it was jammed on there, and didn't I set that sucker off? Blew and out. shot the stinking fawn. There was a mother and two fawns right in front of me at like 30 yards, and I'm sitting there jacking with it. The gun goes off, and there's, and this deer's on its like front. You weren't even looking? No. <laughs> the last time I was jacking with something and it went off, it wasn't yeah. the same thing. <laughs> Ended up having to shoot it. made the same noise. Ended up having to shoot it with a pistol. Yeah, it's oh, crazy. That, yeah. No, I mean, the muzzleloader, they, they they wall up a deer. It's a big bullet. I used to shoot like a two ninety five oh, grain yeah. when I first started, and that's a that's like a cannon. Dude, that thing. It didn't even, it wouldn't blow through a deer. It'd go all the way to the other side and stop on the hide. And you could take the whole bullet out, and it's way bigger than a quarter, dude. Just a chunk of lead. But I shoot a little smaller bullet now, and, and I know some guys that they'll run. They could be running max, you know, some of the bigger guns could hold more more grains of powder, three pellets, like 150 grains of powder. With, you're looking 200 yards, some guys could shoot, no problem. They're confident in it. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome gun. Yeah, Did man. you crack off any practice rounds or just – Picked a gun up from local Jimmy John or Tubby Foot. What was that guy's name? Teeny Mo. Teeny Jug. Teeny Jug. Teeny Jug. <laughs> but no, remember Teeny Jug shot like 35 feet in front of a doe. Yeah, but Teeny, teeny I, Jug sounds like he could have been a rather drunk character. It, yeah. I, uh, I <laughs> had a Teeny up, Jug in his pocket. I borrowed this from uh, my, my cousin Reggie, um, who said he it. He don't miss. No, Reg, <laughs> Reggie's on point. So, uh, the. Went home, I ended up taking a nap, and we went out again that day at like, I don't know, 3.30. I was like, I'm taking my boy out with me. So we ended up, we were in this big freaking tower stand. It was eight by four, just like a sheet of plywood with three windows and a six-year-old. He lasted about seven minutes. I was like, all right. And then he was like, yawn. <sighs> Waving his arms. Did you make him lay down, take a nap? I was like, no, close your eyes. He's like, I'm so tired. Like, close your eyes. And then he'd get up and he'd walk around in the thing. And like, Sit your ass down. We're not going to see anything if you're, if you're fucking moving around and stuff, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, He's like <gasps> I was like, here, take my goddamn phone and be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so he was you won this round, Nolan. Yeah, he was playing video. He was doing that. He knew he was doing a little shit. <laughs> so, I'm just going to need a phone. Yeah, so he was. Fix me. Fix me, Dad. That's my cousins were trying to tell me to. Plug me in. Let him take his uh, Nintendo Switch. I was like, he's not taking his goddamn Switch. He's going to look in the woods with me. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen. Did you? So have, I took the Switch. Uh, yeah. Uh, some, some things like Binox. Maybe a grunt call, some horns sometimes could keep them occupied for a minute, but those things don't they don't last long. I don't know how I got a, a deer one time with my kid in the stand. She was asleep, though, so that's the way to do it. Yeah, he did, make them tired. He did snag Reggie's uh, binocs, but then he was like looking like every 30 seconds. Like he'd get up and walk over to the to the door of the tree stand. Gotta like, let it happen, Nolan. Because uh, he was, 
short, you know? I'm like, oh, I, I get it. I, I didn't want to be there when I was seven. Shit. I, was, I didn't want to be I there was when I was fucking tw- Yeah, I was bored of fucking 12 when I was out there. Yeah. I was like, I get it, but... Uh. And then two white tails came out. They came out in the middle of the field, and they were, like, looking at us. Like, looking at us. They were like, this is cool. And I picked Nolan up. and like, look at this, bro. They're like, put that fucking phone down. Look at this. <laughs> so he, he looked at it. He's like, yeah, whatever. Let me sit back down. Pause the game. So then, uh, we heard. <sighs> I, I like, kind of moved my eyes. These two does were still out in the middle of the field, like right in front of us, like fifty yards. I looked at Reggie, and he didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't see Reggie's mouth move. He's like, "Fox, what?" They went, "Hip, hip, hip," and these two does. They picked their heads up, like, right now. Like, boom. And then we start hearing them. Like, they were they were way out. And then they start, hip, 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 This one fox came in on a fucking beeline, man. The, the two does took off. Like, they put their white flags up, and they took off. And one fox came, hip, 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 the whole time. And it was a big fox. It was probably... I don't know, 20, 25 pounds? Is that a big fox? Decent size, yeah. They're they're not huge, you know what I mean? They're yeah, smaller. It, it was a big dog. And then a second one came up behind it. Hip, 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 hip. Like, I've seen some dogs F before. This one wanted to F. <laughs> hip, 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 hip. He chased it the whole way down. And we never saw another creature the, the entire day after those two foxes were... They don't shoot them out there? Yeah, they were fucking... They were going bro they were like full tilt like oh yeah oh, i know some, do you ever throw, a, fr- do you ever throw a frisbee for a lab oh they could they can get and then it, have right? another lab try to hump that lab while it's running for the frisbee <laughs> yeah. that's how fast these fox were going guess tis <laughs> the season it's the rut the fox rut so um that that pretty much wrapped up my uh hunting my, ex out of state hunting experience yeah my, my maryland first sick of deer hunt I almost died on the way home, but that's a that's another story we'll get to later. Um, we should get going so we can get a hold of uh, Josh McQueen, though. What do you guys think? Sounds good. All righty, guys. We'll be right back. And we are back with Josh McQueen from Mad River Outfitters and Ohio Fly Fishing Guides. What is happening, Josh? How you doing, man? I'm not doing too bad. How are you? I'm doing very good. Whew. That took a lot out of me to get that uh to come out right in one take. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, hey, can you give uh, everyone a little bit of a brief history on yourself? Like, how did you get into fly fishing? Uh, well, I've been fly I've been fly fishing probably, oh, geez, man, I don't know, about 27 years now, something like that. And so I fished my whole life, uh, but, you know, my grandpa's really the one that got me into fishing, and he was your classic, like, uh, Zebco 33, went to Lake Erie a couple of times a year, and then and then fished in ponds uh, guy. But I think for me, fly fishing was just like, uh, you know, most kids, like, when they went to their grandparents on the weekends or something like that growing up, they would, like, watch cartoons. I, there was something wrong with me, man. I would get up at like six in the morning and turn on ESPN or, you know, outdoor network or whatever and watch fishing shows. And so 
I remember distinctly, I mean, really what started it for me um, was watching an episode of a fly fishing show that I honestly can't remember the name of, but they were in Argentina streamer fishing for Browns. And I'm like, man, fly fishing looks awesome. And they caught a bunch of dinks, like, you know, 10 to 12 inches. And at the very end of the show, I'm sure it was probably it's probably the first fish of the day, but they edited it to make the end of the show. But a big old 32 inch brown ate a streamer right at the end of the show. And I was like, yeah, that's sweet. Um, so that just kind of got me into it. And so I asked for a, uh, a fly rod for Christmas when I was 13. And I've been... Uh, been an addict ever since you've been chasing brown trout ever since right um (laughs) (laughs) i i I still enjoy browns occasionally um i mean i love hooking browns and then watching like pike eat them while they're swimming to the net but so you know being a, a kid from ohio watching that kind of stuff and seeing the browns and uh getting a fly rod did you find anything locally that kind of fit that niche for you at first I mean, were you going off to the couple? I know there's just a few trout streams in Ohio that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I grew up a half hour away from the lower Clear Fork River, which they the, the ODNR stocked brown trout there for a long time. And they actually, they used to have a really good program there where they stocked uh, brood stock brown trout on that. So you can actually go there and get like some, some pretty nice fish, like, you know, 20, 22 inches sometimes. My best out of there was 23 and a half. Uh, again, those are fresh off of the truck, but when you're a kid, that's still pretty cool. So, um, yeah, that's, I did that, but I also, yeah, sure. I had to kind of dive into other stuff and smallmouth fished with the fly rod and just fished a lot of ponds for largemouth and crappie and bluegill and stuff, because that's what I had locally to, to me at that time. And, and really, I just, I didn't know anything about it. Honestly, I didn't know uh mad river outfitters would have just been brand new at that point i didn't know they existed we didn't have like a cabela's or a bass pro shops in our area back then it was i literally didn't know anybody else that fly fished i just got into it i mean i remember my parents still ordered the uh it's kind of making me feel old it's probably gonna make you guys feel old but when they ordered that first fly rod that was out of a hardback cabela's catalog oh hell yes dude yeah like they had to pick up the phone and actually dial somebody and talk to them there was no no like internet ordering, so yeah, it was, it's been a few years back, I suppose. We had one of those next to every crapper in the house. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. great, dude. That was like, the right. best thing to right. look at. Like I everything mean, that you wanted. Ex- that would definitely extend you, the crapping you, by ten or re- twenty minutes every time. <laughs> you're referring <laughs> to the master catalog. That I looked at a Sage or a Temple Fork Outfitters ad, and that compels me. Like, yeah, that's, that fly rod looks sweet, you know. Yeah, for sure. So when did you find uh, the glory that is pike? How old were you? How far into your fly fish? So I actually pike fished. I started pike fishing about the time that I got my first fly rod, but I didn't fly fly fish for him at first. So again, uh, going back to that story of, you know, going to the grandparents and and my grandpa getting me amped to fish and then uh, me watching those fishing shows. I remember watching a specific... uh, episode of in fishermen where they were pike fishing and al linder and doug stangier are just like tearing up these pike and these weed beds in in minnesota somewhere and i'm like man pike are awesome i would love to catch a pike and i i was like th- daydreaming of like where you'd have to go to do that I, I really didn't know that there were pike even in ohio at that time 
Um, it's certainly not something that still to this day is publicized. You can't find really any major public information on it still. I think there's maybe a little bit of it coming out with the DNR, but now, of course, nowadays you have the, you know, forums and, and, and the wicked, uh, internet that gives away all the secrets and, and stuff like that. But, um, at that time, I mean, you just had to go by word of mouth. And so I remember a friend of mine, um, that I grew up with was like, he had gone fishing, uh, and camped on a specific river that was near me. And he was smallmouth fishing and he, he saw a pike and he's like, Oh man, you know, there's actually pike there. And I was like, no way. So that got me all excited. And I went to that river about a year later after he told me that. And, um, just took some, uh, took a bucket of minnows actually and a spin rod and some bobbers caught a couple yellow perch and I got my first pike. I also learned that you have to fish wire leaders with pike. Cause I, I lost my first two or three pike as well. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's kind of how it got started was this, uh, one particular river that I'm certainly not going to name on your show, uh, growing up. And then it kind of branched out from there to where I just fished that river. It's, it's, it's a river that I still fish to this day. I do a lot of, uh, smallmouth fishing there. It's a big, wide, shallow, bouldery river. Um, that's way better smallmouth stream than it is a pike stream. I would describe it as a smallmouth river with some pike in it um but later uh, just a few years later as i was a young adult i i was actually trout fishing in the clear fork uh, the place i told you about earlier and ran into a guy that that became a, a lifelong friend of mine that i still fish with a little bit this day when we have time that that was he grew up on a different river uh east of there and and he's like hey man you know if you like pike you should come over to my home river it's loaded with them and so I'm like, all right. So I, I headed over his way one day and uh, we started fishing that area together in Northeast Ohio. And it was like, holy smokes, man, there's a lot of pike in Ohio. I, I mean, I really didn't know. And this was uh, about the time I was like around 20, 21 years old, which was uh, like 17 years ago. So that really makes me feel old at this point. <laughs> but uh, you are old, man. <laughs> I know, man. I know I can definitely <laughs> feel it in my back right now. But, uh, so yeah, like, I mean, it was just, it was just, that kind of got me started. I mean, we spin fished a lot for him in the beginning and I'd fly fished again for trout and steelhead at that point. But one day, I don't know, I, I can't really describe it. Just the light kind of flipped and I'm like, man, these, these fish would take a fly. Right. Like, and I mean, again, I just didn't really have a lot of options around me. I didn't tie flies at that point. And so the first fly that I ever used for pike was a Rainey's CF bait fish, which isn't a terrible pattern. Um, but I mean, again, it's, it's not as big as most of the flies that we use, but that's kind of how it got started. I was started fishing stuff like that. And the uh, GS Rooster, which is actually a fly I submitted when, um, when um, the book came out, that's uh, America's favorite fishing flies. I actually have a little tiny box in there somewhere on like page 157 about the GS Rooster. Um, which honestly is, I mean, a, a pretty good fly overall for a shad imitator, but it's just not like the, the stuff that we see now that's modern, but yeah, I'm probably rambling on too much, but that's how, that's how it developed. I mean, it just kind of went from there and I just kind of created uh, a thing for it from there. No, th this is an audio show, man. Ramble away. But I, I want to hear about the wire leaders. Um, did you, when you first started fly fishing, were you using those and were you just using the cheapo Walmart Eagle Claw wire leaders or? What did you have back in the day when you first started using that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I, again, I learned that wire was necessary when I was bait fishing for him. But by the time I started fly fishing, yeah, man, I was just going into Walmart and buying like 25 pound bulk spools of strin and then buying the Eagle Claw snap wire leaders and putting the flies on those. Uh, and that's still what I mean, you're using the, today, right? That's still what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. As, as Ohio's leading pike on the Pioneer, I'm fishing an Eagle Claw, but working, working for no less uh, one of the one of the biggest fly fishing organizations in the country at Mad River Outfitters. I'm using Eagle Claw brand. Can I plug? Yes. Eagle Claw brand. Don't give all your secrets snap, up, Bob. Uh, wire oh. leaders. Yeah, so, so all your clients meet you at Walmart. <coughs> yeah, 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 guys, meet at Walmart. We're gonna pick up some wire leaders first and some. Uh, that's your that's your tip for the jet in the back. Walmart gift cards for tips for you. Look for the jet in front of Lawn and Garden. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you pick up like a salami tray too while you're there. You know the one that's like you know what I'm talking about. You guys know you guys know exactly the half circle one. The you half get like circle. a pound and a half of some salami and some really really shitty Colby cheese. Oh, like, yes, we, yeah. We, we prefer roto chickens, but oh, roto chickens are excellent. Roto chickens are excellent. Uh, I'm going to jump That's ship on, on this cool real day. quick. Yeah. I, I know we'll forget, but everybody says pike are easy. Oh, you throw anything at them, they eat. We all know that's not always the case. Pike are easy. Pike are very easy. It's catching the big ones that's not easy. Do you have a progression you go through in the day? Do you start like, okay, I'm going I'm to go here until you figure out what it's going to take to move them big ones? Do you have like a certain series that you start and you work your way through to figure out I mean, out I start with it? an eagle claw wire snap leader and then go to some <laughs> roto chicken eating and roll out from there. No, I mean... You chum with the roto chicken, right? Jumpings. You chum with the roto chicken, right? You chum it, yeah. yeah. I cut it up with a sog knife. Sometimes, <laughs> if I'm feeling really ambitious, I use my battery-powered Craftsman chainsaw and cut the roto chicken. Because it kind of gives it that extra little bit of shred. So is that all the that plugs? <laughs> is it what? All the plugs? The, the sog yes, knife and the Craftsman? Yes, craftsman, sog... Eagle Claw wire leaders and the shitty Colby cheese and salami meat wheel. <laughs> That's it. That's all the plugs. <clears throat> no, it's, I mean, there's, is there a science to it? Like anything? Yeah. For the big ones. Sure. Um, I mean, I don't know how much detail you want to go into that, but I'm sure you want to go into a little bit of it. It's, it's, it's like anything, man. Uh, you know, you take your time and research and put that together. And um, I've just spent probably way too much time on certain streams and rivers here and kind of learning those spots. And then the other science to it is, is, yeah, you tie it in with like the lunar phases um, is a big deal. You know, times a day, majors, minor. You guys know all about that. I'm sure you've discussed it at some point, even on the show, right? Like, uh, or maybe you haven't, but like the majors, minors phases that, all that ties in right now. Uh, obviously we're on a full moon phase, which is good because the, the imminent weather is, is complete shit. We're getting smacked by cold front after cold front here lately. Um, we actually pulled a pretty nice fish. You guys probably saw that yesterday. I think Chad, you liked it. Yeah. Uh, that's we pulled a real fat 35 yesterday on a day where we really shouldn't have probably caught a nice fish because what it's late October and there's a full moon phase and we caught it in the minor. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, that's the formula I go through other than that. I mean, it's just specifically knowing areas that you see those big fish 
time after time. And those bigger fish are just, they're a little deeper. I mean, they like specific areas. Um, I mean, it's like anything, right? Like the biggest fish are the richest fish, right? And so they like what the rich people like, the biggest real estate, the fanciest real estate. You got the nicest, biggest hole with the biggest wood or the biggest weed bed. That's where they're at, typically. So there's certain holes that I go to as I'm floating through with my guys. And I'm like, hey, guys, this is the one. Like, get ready. This is where you want to have, you know, this is where you want to have it all together and not make mistakes. And that's usually where, as soon as I say that, they throw right into a fucking tree. But... <laughs> Make a great like catch. Him Sometimes I wonder if that's a bad strategy, right? Like, should I not probably get them excited? Yeah, man, just like and pressure. Like, that's not like, excited. They give them pressure. In this hole right? And then they start shaking and like snag everything, snag the trolling motors, snag the trees. This place is all Maybe. right, you know. <laughs> don't don't oversell it. Jay was doing the right. same thing today. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! Oh, that's a good spot. That's a good spot. Oh, there's a tree. 30 Son feet of a in a bitch. 30 feet in a pine tree. <laughs> <laughs> I lost an hour of my life 30 feet in a pine tree today. So, did you climb up to get it or did you just like did you pull it out? I got I pulled it down until I it was enough tension. I was about 3 inches from grabbing the branch and then it snapped. Oh, 3 yeah. inches is the story of my life. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, Josh, uh speaking of that, a little bit of fly selection. Do you cater flies to the different like casting um, experience of the the anglers that you're with? I mean, yeah, I had to do that yesterday. The guys I had yesterday are awesome dudes. They're but here's the thing. I mean, you know, in this business, I see all types, and they're awesome dudes. And they came right out with it. They're like, hey, um, you know, we fly fished once for trout in Colorado two years ago. We troll for pike every summer spinner rods in canada and we couldn't go to canada this year because of covid so we thought it would be fun to book a fly fishing trip for pike and i'm just like as they're telling me this i'm just shaking my head while i'm standing there packing the soft cooler full of rotisserie chicken just being like man <laughs> you should have i don't even know if i need to break out the eagle qual wire leaders because you guys aren't going to catch anything today like you know what i mean so like i mean uh, they're awesome dudes and i started one i i started one on an eight weight and one on a 10 weight one with a really just kind of standard bucktail deceiver that i fish um frank calls it the fruit fly <laughs> but it's just a standard six to seven inch grapefruit that's why he calls it his grapefruit collar bucktail deceiver really basic really light pattern that honestly um, if you looked over my Instagram and looked over the history of, of trophy pike that I've landed here in the state of Ohio, probably 80% of them have come on that fly. A six to seven, maybe eight inch grapefruit colored bucktail deceiver has just been a go-to for me. I'll admit I'm probably a little stubborn. I get stuck on like the one pattern that keeps bringing fish to the net. I just kind of stick with it. I don't dabble a lot or experiment. Like Frank always shows up with... Uh, and he's going to love it because, you know, he's listening to the podcast. But like, Frank like, shows up with like 14 boxes of flies. I mean, he's packed. Like, dude, his entire bat, he's got a forerunner, a newer style forerunner. And he has to lay the seat down to fit all the back seat down to fit all of his fly boxes. in. <laughs> Frank has like a serious, serious fly problem. Like, a, and I mean this, like you guys are letting know he has a serious fly problem. He really needs to find help. Um, because the dude has, I make it like we get in arguments all the time. Like Frank, you can pick two boxes that are no bigger than 12 by 24 max dimensions. 
you can pack as many flies as you want in those two boxes, buddy, but that's it. Like, he thinks he has... Dude, he's got, like, flies that look exactly like muskrats. And he's like, yeah, I specifically ordered, like, these flies that look like muskrats. I was like, Frank, you've pike and musky fished with me for a while now, right? Yeah. Have you ever seen a pike or musky eat a, a muskrat? And he's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, have you ever even seen a muskrat? He's like, no. I was like, well, then why the fuck are you packed in a muskrat? <laughs> but that's like, that's Frank. So he brings like all these freaking flies with him. And that's what happens. We always end up catching like, if you look at, if you look at Frank's history as an Esox angler, which is, it's, it's a beautiful history. He's got that one, one little muskie we got this spring after we've been out a couple of times, not a ton. I mean, we've only muskie fished together maybe four or five times now. Uh, moved a lot of fish, had some missed opportunities, but Frank has pike fished with me countless times, and he's caught some really nice, beautiful Ohio giants, and the majority of them, and he's going to hate this when I tell you guys the truth, the majority of them have come on Josh McQueen's piss poorly tied grapefruit bucktail deceivers, <laughs> not the 25 and $30 a piece or more custom muskrat flies that he's had done. So that's like a go-to for me, but yeah, I mean, going back to the original question, I'll I'll kind of give anglers a certain flies to throw based on their angling abilities. And then also to add to that, my color selection is kind of based on the watercolor too. For me, the watercolor is just like a really big deal. And there's going to be some people that are going to really shudder when I say this and hate me. And they're probably immediately going to turn your radio show up and be like, why would they hire this guest? This guy's a fucking idiot. Well, they don't turn it on in the first I, place. Listen, I, you have heard, how many times have you guys heard bright flies or bright day, bright flies, right? All dark day, dark flies. Yeah. I'm totally opposite of that. I'm totally, totally opposite of that. We're shutting you off. If it's, it's shut me out, <laughs> shut me out all you want. And then you can go look at my Instagram and see all the big fish that are on there. I know. Uh, <laughs> so when I when I'm it's for me it's not even necessarily though honestly the 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 day sunny or cloudy I prefer a cloudy day to fish but what I'm really looking at is watercolor and if that watercolor is really clear I'm gonna go to a more light colored or or again this year for clear water season what I call clear water season which happens every year to us. The algae dies usually in late September when we get our first few cool nights and that water temperature dips below like 68 degrees, right? The, the algae blooms, the brown algae, the natural algae starts to die and that water really starts to clear up. And of course, it doesn't rain in August or September mostly, um, specifically this year, it really didn't. So we get this what I call clear water season. I mean, my rivers are almost unlimited visibility, save one that's kind of a swampy river that I fish. The normal rivers that I fish are just, I mean, they go like, you, if you're in a 12 foot deep hole, you can see the bottom. It's that clear. And so I go to sucker colored flies, like browns, browns with a white bottom, light tans. Um, I had Paul Beal from Frankenfly out yeah. this year. He's fish a good with dude. Me. Uh, Paul's excellent. Paul's like the man. And he brought me some dragon tail suckers and some other stuff uh, that was sucker colored that would just, just totally kicked ass man i mean it was like perfect in that watercolor but if i if i get the more dingy stuff like two foot of visibility um you know olive green water or like a chalky green water yeah i'll amp it up to like chartreuse and white grapefruit high vis stuff like that and that really really works for me i think there's a lot to be said for that i mean these guys can attest i fish black 90 percent of the time but the two biggest muskies i've caught have been on high sun bright 
middle of the day on black. It wasn't like mm-hmm. you typical say, hi, you know, bright bright sun, bright flies. They were both both on black. So you're the one that got Justin started on the black flies. Pro, that's the last few years that's almost all I fish is black. Justin just loves the black flies and he moved a really nice fish. Um we were we were we were fishing in a lake this past spring here in eastern Ohio and he moved a really nice fish on it. Nice. And we I I like I like black as well. I'll be honest though, like I have some reserve towards like the straight black or the black and like dark purple stuff. I I feel like I have to mix a little something in there. And I know that's probably wrong. It's just me like Oh no, and I do I, the same I, too. It's it doesn't have to necessarily always be jet black. I mean that's that's there, but I'm almost always fishing something that has black in it. If it's not, then it's, then it's white. Mm-hmm. Yep. Black and orange has been a really good color for me, and specifically in the clear water season for the pike, too. The black and orange has been really, really good. Pike-toberfest colors. <laughs> now, now, do you do you stay open through the winter, or does it, when's it, you typically freeze, is it slower water? Well, I mean, it just depends on if it's a year where climate change is actually happening or not, right? So, I mean, the reality is every year is different, regardless of what the media man says or anybody else says. I mean, it's, you know, some years you have warm years, some years you have colder years. I can pike fish as long as it's open. Here's the thing, though, about the pike. I mean, they're not necessarily out in the middle of the river somewhere. They can be if there's like a blockage or some timber out there, but... Typically, you find most of the pike within 10 foot or less of the of the water's edge, and that's just because that's where the current slows down. I mean, even though most of the pike I'm fishing for are in rivers, I do have two lakes that I use. But obviously, you guys, if you look at my pike pictures, how many of them you see on the lakes? They're rivers. They're streams, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> oddly enough, I have some really good pike rivers and streams here. But pike are not current fish, even though they're living in the rivers and streams. They hate the current. They're in the dead, still, calmest stuff. Even the muskies and the musky streams I fish will, during warmer times of the season, at least 50-degree water or more, use a little bit of current. Pike just hate it. They just hate current. They won't use it. They won't even use an eddy. You'll see like a hole. You'll be like, oh, man, there's an eddy. That looks good. Pike don't like the eddies. It's got to be dead flat perfectly still and so where do you typically find that water it's on the edges and so i guess my point in bringing that up is is when you get into that late season specifically the winter season the first place to freeze are the dead still non-moving edges so as soon as we get some sheet ice or shelf ice that covers up those flat calm areas kind of boots us out um but some winters specifically just like last winter we never really froze up i mean there was a couple of weeks i think at the most where some of the bigger water froze up other than that we were able to pike fish throughout most of the season the dead times are during the spawn and immediately after for about four weeks they go into the sulk time which is like so they start spawning here in about mid-february um that depends on the area you're in there's some spring fed marshes or backwaters that get a little warmer quicker that's where they're at in early february the fish that spawn in the rivers that don't go to the marshes are more like maybe second, third week of March. And the latest spawners I've seen are in some of the lower ends of the coldest rivers, the deepest rivers that maybe spawn in late April. You don't really start, that's dead. It's dead after that. You don't really start pike fishing here until, um, 
usually Memorial Day is kind of like a kickoff weekend for good pike fishing here. But that really, really works out for my program because all of April I'm steelhead fishing anyway. I don't have a day off in April and I don't have too many days off if ever in May because I'm smallmouth fishing slash maybe a little bit of Lake Erie steelhead fishing. So when in the fall time do you switch over from the the pike situation to the steelhead? So that's like this coming week. This coming week is a really, really big big week for me next week's a big week for me um which by the way um i canceled the day because of the crap wind i'm glad i did i don't think it would have been very fun we were supposed to be on a musky lake today and i think we just got would have got blown all over the place it would have sucked yes it would have sucked we can tell you (laughs) um i still have the ninth uh next week open probably shouldn't say that on your show because i'm not trying to book it i have some other stuff i need to do but if it books it books um after that i'm that's it i don't have a free day other than thanksgiving left in november i'm totally booked solid right now um december's already probably got seven or eight days i think it is booked in it so right now is the kind of that transition time october for me is almost entirely pike although i did do a few smallmouth days there's those, those few uh, crazy smallmouth people that want those trophy smallmouth that you typically get right at the end of the season there. They're harder to catch, I feel like. I mean, you get your best numbers of smallmouth in what? April, May, and June, right? Yes, sir. Even July on topwater season. October is a weird, weird time. It can be awesome smallmouth fishing, or you can be like, geez, do smallmouth exist? Like, it can be weird like that. But you get those, you get those big, big river giants that time of year, too. So you get a few of those people. Um and I, you know, I think I did one white bass day in October and then, uh, right now this specific week coming up, it's, um, tomorrow I'll be pike fishing Tuesday. I'll be white bass fishing Wednesday. I'll be pike fishing Thursday, steelhead, blah, blah, you know, it goes on. It's just really mixed up. And I think by the middle of November, it's pretty much mostly steelhead save at the end of November. I think I have about three musky days in a row there. So. This is this is really steelhead time coming up. It's my, it's honestly still my biggest market. It's the biggest thing I do. It's how I got my start in the business with steelhead. I still love steelhead. I mean, who doesn't? You're if you don't like steelhead, I mean, there's something wrong with you. And that specifically pertains to Frank because Frank's not that big of a steelhead fisherman. <laughs> I I don't get it. You know, I'm like I'm like Frank. I'm like wow. You know, like why don't you like steelhead they pull your arm off but you know i think he's a big bad esox angler and he's graduated and he's passed all that i love the steels they're awesome they fight hard they're crazy they're warriors you know you can catch the same steelhead like three times in one day i think that's awesome i think that's like the almighty catch and release fish you know it's like you go for like a wild brown trout stream you hook one fish there that's seven inches long and three years old or two and a half years old and it's like i'm never biting a fly again until you know, 10 years from now, it's like steelhead's like, yeah, I'll do that again. I'll try it in the same day. It'll like three or four times. I just think that makes them amazing. It's great. Break your line. Uh, they don't like, they don't mind being beat up a little bit. They're like the Julian Edelman of fish. Just like beat me more. It makes me happy. So yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah. So steelhead is still my biggest market. I do a lot of that. And, um, it wears me out a little bit. I'm getting too old to like do all that driving. I'm not a local guy. I mean, those guys, you know, most of your steelhead guys live up there. I'm three hours away from Ashtabula County, from Ashtabula and Conneaut. 
Um, and that's where I specifically do most of my, my fall business. That's not a secret. That's why I can name that. Everybody knows where that is. You at least stay uh, up there for a while, though, how, don't you? What's that? You at least go up and stay for a while. You don't commute that every day, do you? No, but there's days where I'll commute it and back in a day. And specifically, I mean, this coming week, I mean, I'm going to have to because I have, yeah. you know, back-to-back days that are pike days. And, and and like I said, I've got that one white bass day mixed in there with the, uh, you know, with, with the steelhead around it. So if I have several steelhead days in a row, um, you know, I'll, I'll go up and stay. Yeah, you know, get a room. Um, I've actually got a nice opportunity this year to stay in a house that uh, some buddies of mine are renting. You guys probably know Joshy Trammell from SAO. He's a good dude. He yeah. offered me to come up and stay with him. Him, him and uh, Dan Bennett, they've got a they've got a house together up there. So I'll, I'll be able to stay a little bit up there too. That'll help. But yeah, I mean, there's times when I make that commute. I have right now my I'm in I'm in my office as I'm talking to you guys, and my office is my 2019 Ram 1500. That's my office. I bought it new in August 1st of 19, and it has 55,899 miles on it. If that oh, tells so, you how much that. I drive around for this but job. Get yeah. traded in yeah. next yeah. year. Get about, ready to trade it in. Power train. Time to trade in for a Tundra. Yeah. Well, see, you don't you don't have to trade it in because it's a Ram and they run forever. Oh wow. Oh jeez. Oh. They're, 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 they did plug. sell one. Where's the other I heard they sold in? one. The SVS podcast today was brought to you by Eagle Claw Wire Leaders and Ram. Oh man, the epitome of grab, all industry. Is that, is that grabbed life by the horns? <laughs> so what? Uh, uh, just, just so you know, Mark used to sell Tundras. So Mark's a Tundra driver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, bro. Oh, is he the one that got started, Frank, on the Forerunner? Uh, mm-hmm. Did you? I don't know. It's quite oh, possible. Frank loves his Forerunner. Toyotas Forerunner. are good. They are good. They are good. The Japanese nice make work. awesome stuff. My jet drive, uh, my twenty, my thirty twenty-five jet drive, and my five-horse kicker that are on my Deep V are, they're actually Tahatsus. Most people don't know that thirty horsepower and less Mercury's are Tahatsus. Mm-hmm. Which are Japanese, man. Those things just run and run and run and run. I, you just you just put gas in them and you can go across the lake. Tohatsu Versus my everything. sixty on my deep V, which uh, I love my deep V, but my sixty is a Chinese Mercury, and it's uh, need I say more? I mean that thing is just constantly needing attention. So, hmm. yeah. What year is that, Merc? Uh, Two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah. Hope you as soon as I can afford a repower for a 75 American-made outboard, I'll probably do it. <laughs> yeah. What was that, early 2000s they switched them? To the Chinese? Yeah. As around there, yeah. They, yeah. they, they, so, uh, they started the plant that makes... The Chinese Mercuries are all the 40s, 50s, and 60s, where, which are America's most popular outboards. Yep. And I didn't even know that, honestly, until I bought the boat. I bought the boat used. I got a great deal on it. I mean, the guy, the guy I bought it from, he spent more time wiping it down than he did actually running it so i i mean i stole the boat he didn't know what he had but still yeah i didn't know that it was a chinese manufactured outboard i've always been a mercury guy i still have uh, it doesn't run anymore it's a non-working vessel but i still have my my grandpa's old 1970 uh tri-hall deep keel tri-hall rinker built with 135 kai kiker kai kai for mercury on it that i ran all the way till 2012 and i've just been a mercury guy ever since i mean that thing was just stupid bulletproof um 
but yeah, Mercury's are, are awesome outboards, but I did not know that they made the forties, fifties and sixties in China and it hasn't been bad, but I I've had to replace a coil pack on that outboard and a couple other things. Um, and I'm, it's just, it just needs a little more attention than most. That's all my, my 3025 jet, which is actually a Tahatsu. I've never done anything to that thing. And, and it has, I don't, I don't even know how many hours on it. I can tell you it's a hell of a lot. Um, the thing's been all over the place. It's great outboard. Get you into a lot of pike. So speaking of that, you were talking to us earlier before we were, uh, heat up the mics that you have three vessels that you, you can fish out of. Um, what, what are they and what are the different applications that you use them for? So I have three working vessels right now. Uh, we actually just did a, a, a video on this on YouTube, on the Mad River Outfitters YouTube, uh, a couple weeks ago, but I'll, <clears throat> I'll start at the bottom or other words, the smallest, which is a, um, um, a stealth craft hooligan. It's a three seat, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not totally going to be accurate here, but I believe the hooligan's a 13 footer. You know, I don't even know. I, I know it's around there. 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 13, somewhere in there. It's 13 foot, three man raft, um, three seat raft that is just perfect for, honestly, it's, I mean, it's my most profitable boat. It's the, it's the boat that, that costs the least amount of money and does the most amount of work. Um, you guys have probably seen a lot of those big pike pictures coming out of that raft. That is small stream specifically. Uh, when the water gets really, really low, even too low for the jet boat, that's that's the boat that goes out. I use it for steelhead. I use it for smallmouth. I use it on the mat a little bit to guide some trout trips. Uh, the clear fork. It's it's just a, it's it's small stuff. Anything small streams, um, and the raft is perfect for portaging. I mean, it weighs 140 pounds empty. So some of the streams I fish, specifically my best secret pike stream um is full of log jams and that's one of the reasons that makes that pike stream good <clears throat> there's other pike streams around it that have just as many fish have just as many big fish the reason that particular stream is good is because nobody fishes there because i promise you you go down that thing one time and you're like hmm that's probably not worth the effort it's a lot of work. There's a lot of log jams in every stretch of that creek. And so that raft really works well for that because it's it's workable to get around those jams. Hey, Josh, um, Josh, before you go yeah. into the next one, I have a question about that. Yeah. Being a guide and going through a, a river that has all the log jams, <clears throat> do you ask your clients to get out and like help you go over the log jams or... Do, uh, do you ask them oh, to just absolutely. get out? Hell yeah, they're the ones catching the fish. I mean, they're getting the glory out of it. I'm not doing all the work. Okay, just making sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I mean, I can't do it all by myself. So, and and actually, no. I mean, that was a little bit of joking, but to to, to your point, seriously, I tell them. I mean, I tell them, hey guys, I can take you to a creek where, you know. One, if I take you there, it's going to be good because nobody else fishes there, which means you can't come back. And if you do, I will find you and hunt you down and kill your family. <laughs> Two, uh, I need you to help me a little bit. It's a lot of work. Like, I, I can't do it all myself. I mean, I'm a pretty strong, big, tough, fine-looking gentleman, but yeah, I can't drive do everything. You drive a Ram. <laughs> right. Drive a Ram. Um, you know, I use Eagle Claw, wire leaders. So... <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I, I need you guys to help. And if that doesn't interest you, if you can't do that, if that's too much work for you, 
you know, we can run the jet boat and I still have plenty of good options for it. But I, I tell people what they're up against and yeah, I need their help. I mean, for sure. I need their help. It, cause it's it, some of that stuff is just, uh, it's just crazy. I remember one time I took uh, Frank and one of his buddies, um, on a, on a stretch of a Creek that was, you know, one thing about Frank is, is like, we fished enough that he's seen all the regular stuff. Frank doesn't mind doing stuff that I've even never done before. And believe it or not, there's still stuff in Ohio that needs pioneered. And we picked a stretch one day. I was like, Frank, I've never been down the stretch. Do you want to do it? And he's like, yeah. And I mean, I don't know how many, you know, uh, log jams and portages there were that day. But at the end of the day, it was, it was pretty rough. It was a buddy of his named Mark that was a, an ex-Marine. And it was kind of funny that the ex-Marine was probably the biggest whiner. I mean, a couple of big, uh, a couple of big old hefty meat eaters like me and Frank were the ones that did all the work. His Marine buddy didn't even help that much. And I, and actually, no, and Frank and I just did another float this year that was, it's not a pioneering stretch, but it's a stretch I've only been down a couple of times that um, I think we had nine portages we counted some of which were like truly brutal. We almost lost Frank in one of them. He almost, that was almost the end of them. Um, that would be the last time we, we heard of Frank Zubel. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was close, man. It was a really close call. It was scary. Uh, I was worried that I was never going to get another Cleveland Deli Smokey again because he always brings those like Smokies with him on guide trips. I was like, man, if something happened to Frank, I'd never have another guide trip where I got Smokies. <laughs> uh, but but, but at the end, of, you, know what, you know what the worst part of it was? And I'm really going to put him in here because he deserves it and he earns it. And and America needs to hear uh, what, what what has gone wrong with Frank Zubel. But we got to the end of that float. It's like a nine-mile float, nine or ten brutal portages, five or six other half-ass portages. And we're there. It's cold. It's like the first cold day of the year this year, and we're starting to get cold. We're not dressed for it. And we get down there, and Frank's like, Frank's car is at the bottom, my truck and trailer up at the top. And Frank's like, yeah, you're not going to like me. And I'm like, uh, I don't like you now. I'm like, I don't like you now, Frank. What's the problem? He's like, yeah, I don't have my keys. And I'm just like, what? He left his keys in the console of my truck. I'm like, do you not, have we not done this enough that you understand how floating works? And, <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, like, you know, I've got to get back. I've got to get back to, you know, where we started. So, yeah, he left his – I had to call my my poor, innocent, sweet angel of a wife and have her come up and pick me up to take me to my truck because we were in such a remote area that we couldn't even get a signal or get Uber to take me to my car. Jay, didn't that happen so, to you last week? Oh, that's happened to me a lot of times. <laughs> I think, you know, every time I have somebody new, and, and, and I asked my uncle last weekend or a couple weekends ago, whatever it was, hey, you got your keys, right? Yeah, I got my keys. Then he then he gets in my dad's truck, <clears throat> comes back down or whatever it was or how it worked, and he leaves his keys and his jacket in the truck where we were at. It's beautiful, just beautiful. It's great, isn't it? It's like perfect. So. And you never find out so till the very end. And his, that's what his wife go came ahead, and got him. No, his wife came and got him. His wonderful wife, my aunt. Thank God for her. Yeah, yeah, there's some good women left out there, you know, that, that take care of you when you really need it. So my my wife just laughed because I think she knows knows Frank well enough to know by now that that was extremely a, a very liable possibility. <laughs> I, I called her up and I was just like, Frank, 
you know, Frank left his uh, keys in my truck and I need you to come get us. And she's paused for a second and she's like, wow. She's like, yeah, okay, I'll come get you. Like she knew, she knew. So, uh, so anyway, so that's the raft. The raft will get you through like the tiny stuff. My next vessel is a, um, 1648 low aura and uh the the aura is um a semi-v john boat that low makes that comes from the factory with a raised front deck a flat floor and a, a little wider rear bench and i have just the it's a really basic setup i have that with a motor guide um 55 pound wireless trolling motor on the front of that i've got uh nine foot heavy-duty cataract ores on there, and a 3025 jet mercury. Other than that, I don't customize it and load it up with a bunch of weight. The beauty of that jet boat is uh, that you can get that into places where you don't need a boat ramp. I mean, I have dumped that thing down the side of a bank, a bank that parallels a river, hand-pushed it down a steep bank and used toe straps to get it back up, and then hand-loaded on with the winch on the trailer at the end of the day. So that's the beauty of it. The downside of that jet is it's a little underpowered, um if you've got a big big load it's hard to get it on plane and it's really really slow that boat planes at like 15 16 mile an hour so it's not fast but you can unload it into places where you can't normally unload a jet boat and that's really helped me one of the places where i've i've caught uh, a lot of my big pike over the years well i haven't caught them i've, I've let me say i've road people into those pike over the years where my clients have done well over the years is a specific stretch where it is upstream of a big big uh flood control dry dam and and because of the majority of that's floodplain and farm country around it there's just no public access in the bottom five miles of that river and so you can't put a canoe in or a kayak or a raft or a drift boat because there's nowhere to get it out there's a put in there's not a takeout um, and the put-in's not even a real put-in. So that little jet boat can get in there where we just kind of dump it over a gravel hill and run 11 miles downstream and fish through a bunch of water that nobody's fishing. And at the end of the day, we can just come back to that same place and pull it out. And nobody else is doing that still to this day in that specific area. And that's the area where I've, I've landed my biggest pike to date that I've ever put uh, in the net in Ohio. And probably I would say 70 or 80% of some of the larger pike uh, that I've landed in over the years in Ohio have come from that specific stretch. And again, it's just, it's, it's just non-pressured water. I mean, that's, what's making it so good. Hey, Josh, you, you brought something up that, uh, that I, I want to hit on before we go to the next boat. You, you mentioned, uh, you're putting these boat or these fish in a boat. And then you said, Oh no, my clients are putting them. How many pike do you get to reel in a year? I don't know, but it's a pretty limited number. I think one, because I don't have that much time to fish. And honestly, two, I probably suck at it. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm a lot better of a guide than an angler, man. I mean, it's, I have 14 clients and three best friends that all have bigger pike on the fly than I do. Those... My biggest pike on the fly Ohio in Ohio is not that special. My personal biggest pike on the fly in Ohio is 36 inches. It's a great fish. It was a really nice 36 that probably went about 14, 15 pounds. Really thick, nice fish. And I don't even have a picture of it because I'm so bad <laughs> that we boarded it and measured it first. And then I'm such a nice guy that I gave her a drink and put her back in the net and she jumped out of it before I got a picture. <clears throat> but but I've I've put a lot of 
bigger pike than that in the net over the years. It just, I just don't get to do it that much. You know, most of my, at this point in the game, this is a good thing. I mean, this is a good thing for me, but at this point in the game, I've got far more days of pike fishing on the water as a guide than I do as an angler. Yeah. 100%. I was just wondering, man. <laughs> I didn't know if it was like yeah. two or three a year or like, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I mean, I would say, the reality is I probably personally fish for pike about eight or 10 days a year. But at this stage in the game, I'm probably guiding for pike probably about 80 days a year. So it's, yeah, it's pretty contrast. Yeah, it is. So what's, what's a big pike? What's, what do we, what do we call in the, anything over 37, 38? Is that a big pike for Ohio? Oh man, I wish. <laughs> no, a big a big pike in the state of Ohio. I, I go by what I go by what the DNR says is trophy class. And trophy class in the state of Ohio is based off of the Fish Ohio program. Fish Ohio lists all the sport fishing species. And a pike, uh, a fish Ohio pike in Ohio is 32 inches. Gotcha. So anytime I get a 32 plus, that's that's a, that's trophy class in the state of Ohio. Uh, that's a that's a nice fish. I mean, it's you know, <clears throat> I know a lot of those pictures look like they're a lot bigger than that, but I I mean, let's be honest, man. Modern day cameras, none have to take a fish picture. Of this fish are well, they look a lot bigger than they are, right? I mean, and, and I don't care who you are. I mean, there's nobody catching like forty plus inch fish on a regular basis. No, just that's just to put that it's into just, perspective. Uh, how many forty inch fish have you seen? You know what I mean? It's a rarity to get in a lot probably of a dozen. Maybe ten that I've actually laid eyes on. Yeah, it's you it's... know they're they're uncommon. No, anytime somebody catches a thirty-two plus, um, I'm happy with that. That's that's a great fish in the state of Ohio. Would that wow a Canadian or a Minnesota? No, but that's not that's not what we that's just not what we have. We, we you know we're in Ohio. I mean it's it's amazing the fact that we even have pike. We're at the southern range, literally the southern borderline of of pike runs through our state it's it's north of it's north of i-70 it's and even that's touch and go but if you looked at i-70 that's the line there's just really not much if any pike there's one little lake down there that still has a remaining population that the dnr tried to stock in the 80s and they're barely hanging on i think it's called lake rupert um uh, other than that all of the pike fishing is pretty much north of i-70 um, and even that's kind of like if you follow that line and look at certain streams, it's touch and go. Some have them, some don't. So we're at their southern range. They grow faster here than they do anywhere else, but they just don't live as long. Um, a big 36-inch pike in Ohio on average is 25 years old. Um, but 36 inches is where a lot of pike in Ohio max out versus you go to Alaska and a 50-inch pike is about 50 years old. Um, they, they just, you know, you only get so many heartbeats and those fish just don't have the stress in Alaska. I mean, they only have to work hard and eat and move around and spawn. All that stuff comes three, four months of the year up there. They don't have the floods, the high water, the extreme heat, the extreme cold they have, but they've got the deep water for it. These river pike here in Ohio, they take a beating. They live a hard life and they just don't make it much past 25, 26 years. Do you think water quality has anything to do with it, or just you think it's the beating in general? Yeah, they're warriors. I think it's yeah. I mean, water quality certainly plays a part. The streams that the streams and rivers that I'm getting pike in 
are some of the better water quality that Ohio has to offer. Um, the one particular stream that I use probably less than the others because it's a little farther from me. And it's also the one stream that every Ohioan that fishes for pike knows has pike in it. That particular river stream, whatever you want to call it, that particular river system has more pike than all the others. It also gets more pressure than all the others. And it's a little farther from me than anything else, so I don't use it as much. Um, but but those, I mean, those rivers, it's all the same. I mean, there's just it, it, there's extreme heat, there's extreme lows, um, floods, you name it, all the conditions. There, there, there. The pollution situation there's not bad. In fact, that particular one, I guess, what I was going to mention was it's some of the best water quality in Ohio. Um, it's a really, really clean area. And there's actually a couple of species of fish there, some micro species of fish there that don't live anywhere else because it's just so clean. <clears throat> there's one particular creek that I fish that actually has pollutant issues in its past, but it's gotten better. I don't think it's a water quality thing. I think it's it's more just they, they live through the extreme heat, the extreme flood times. These fish spend a, a large portion of their life in water so muddy they can't even feed. They just have to kind of hold out and... In Alaska, you just don't have that. You have these perfect sloughs and lakes and bodies of water that's so clear. Canada's the same way where those fish can just, during that winter season, they go off and go deep and go reasonably dormant, and they just don't have to work as hard as these Ohio fish do. It's it's pretty tough on them. Poor bastards. <laughs> right? Oh, no, I see, right? A lot of, I see a lot of pike there. They're, they kind of beat up looking. Most times their fins are ragged and... It's just the bigger ones, especially, you know. Right. It's it's incredibly rare to catch a, a bigger pike. So say 32 inches plus in Ohio that doesn't have like a lot of history on it. In other words, you can see those scars, those beat up spots. Like it's just to see the big, big, clean pike, bigger fish that are super clean is pretty rare here. They, they, most of these fish have a pretty rough past, a pretty rough history. Because they, again, just the temperature extremes here. In fact, um, you know, you go to, you go to Canada or Alaska and their peak fishing time is what it's, you know, it's July, August, summer, and September, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. In the middle of the summer, right? That's like the worst months here because we're at their Southern range. That's like, if you can catch a giant, giant Ohio pike in August or late July, August, that's like pretty tough. That's usually actually the time they're dormant. You have a better chance of catching a giant Ohio pike in January than you do in July or August. Huh. And do you ever travel to go catch pike? Is that something you prefer to do or think about doing? Uh, it's something I've certainly thought about doing. I just haven't had the time or, I mean, let's face it. I'm a fishing guy. They don't have the financial resources to do much traveling. I hear you. But I have, I have hosted, um, I have hosted four trips now to Alaska for Mad River Outfitters, which are trout and, and salmon trips, but we do, uh, we go to Knack River Camp in the Katmai Trophy Lodge, which is owned by the Johnson family, and they do have some pretty decent pike fishing. It's not a ton, but there's some sloughs and river mouths there that hold some pike. And I actually got my 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 best pike up there. So there's there's some uh, there's some Alaskan pike that I've done that's that's pretty cool. But I haven't had a chance to to travel around and do it much either. I did go to uh, Indiana one time. Got a buddy of mine that lives over that way that works there, moved there for work, and uh, we fished northern Indiana. There's a stream up there we fished for pike, and that was that was pretty cool. But other than that, honestly, I haven't ventured much out of our state to do it. 
Yeah, man. I, I don't blame you one bit. Um, you know, you'd mentioned a, a certain type of fishing that we don't, I've never heard of much guiding for in the white bass. Like, what kind of, what, what, tell, give, run us through that a little bit. Is that a lake? Is that creeks? Uh, you know, clousers? What, what kind of fishing is that? It's, it's lakes mostly. So for me, the, the majority of white bass that I chase is in the summertime on Lake Erie. Um, but there's also some, some really, really good inland lakes near me that have those. And, um, and the best time to get those is either in the spring or the fall. They're kind of a shoulder season fish. That's not to say you can't get them in the summer or winter, but they do the same thing. Um, it's just kind of like musky in the inland lakes, right? So the shoulder seasons are your best time, the spring and the fall. Those fish are shallower then, makes them easier to target on the fly rod. Uh, in the summer and in the dead of winter, they go really, really super deep. But in the shoulder seasons is when you can find them shallower. And um, I mean, honestly, it's just, it's it's a numbers game. It's a lot of fun. It's an easier fish to catch, in my opinion, if you can find them. And I don't have any trouble finding them because on my deep V, I've got a, a brand new uh, Hook 7 Lawrence hook reveal. So you can pretty much... I mean, you can see the hair on a muskie's asshole with that thing. I mean, it's, it's a really good unit. And, uh, yeah, you just pretty much locate bait and the white bass. You can get the sinking line that you need. You get a clouser or another bait fish imitator down in front of them, and, yeah, you're going to catch them. And that's all uh, – Those are high, they're, they're high metabolism fish. I mean, just like stripers, you know, just like stripers or hybrid stripers, white bass are in that family, just like trout, steelhead. They're high metabolism fish, okay? When it, I do think it's kind of funny when somebody's like, oh, the stripers are off or the steelhead are off. They're not biting. No, that's not true. They're high metabolism fish. They moved on you. Either you have piss poor conditions or they moved. There's no such thing as those fish being off. They're high metabolism fish. They have to eat. You can catch those fish on any day. They're not like pike or muskie. They don't turn off. They have to eat or they don't survive. Their metabolism is too high for that, right? So... It's more of a thing. I think it's funny. It's like guys are going out and they're like, oh, man, we got on the stripers the first hour of the day, but then they turned off. No, they didn't turn off. They left you. You didn't stay on them. They're high metabolism fish. The feed's usually always on. Sure, that varies in degree, but you got to go to where they went. They start in shallow water in the mornings, for example, and then move off to deeper water as the sun comes out. That's that's normal for those fish. And that's a, I have a couple more questions about it. Uh, that's all catch and release. And uh, what size rods? Like using like four weights and such? For the white bass? I like a six or seven. Um, not so much because the fish are that big, just to cast the sinking line that I would want and the, and the clouser that I would want. A, a four weight probably wouldn't cut it. A six or seven give you a little better push. The big thing with those are in the lakes is they're in really, really open water. So if you can find them busting, which I'll target that when I, when I, you know, usually August or September, you can see some of that, maybe in June, you can see some surface water busting. Um, but at this point in the season, oddly enough, actually the inland lakes are still around the mid or upper fifties here, even with this cold fronts we've had. So those fish aren't like in the bottom yet, but they're like 10 to 20 foot down, say in 30 foot of water. So the ideal is I want to cast a fully sinking line a long ways, right? I want to make a 60, 70 foot cast if possible. Let it get down and cover water. The big thing right now is just to cover water because the shad are really, really spread out. And are are you throwing the same clousers for the, the white bass that you are for the hybrid striped bass? Cause, yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. Each the same thing. They're They're exactly the same fish. They're just different size. I find that they do pretty much the same things. They're just, they're just different sizes. 
Uh, they're really, really, if you know one, you know the other. They're not that different at all. Not at all. I hear you, man. Um, hey, do you ever harvest any of the white bass? They're, they're delicious fish. Yeah, no, we have. Absolutely. So, yeah, so my, my best bud, Kevin, and me, we, because every spring we try to go out and get some and, and deep fry them in some Cajun batter. Yeah, man, they're awesome. Absolutely, I harvest them. Goddamn right. Hey, we never got to your third vessel. So the third vessel is that deep V boat that I was talking about. Um, it's my baby. It's the least profitable boat I have. In fact, I don't think it's actually ever made a profit. Um, it's, it's the least working boat I have, um, but it's it's my most enjoyable boat, and I love it. So it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, you have it because it fills a certain role in the guide business that I do, um, but it also gives me some pleasure. It's also a family boat I can take out and pull my kids around on the tube a little bit, you know, and uh, have some fun with. So it's, it's, a, it's a low 16-and-a-half-foot fishing machine. 60 horse four stroke, five horse kicker. Uh, it's got a brand new motor guide, 55 GPS trolling motor on it. Brand new hook reveal seven fish finder on it. I mean, it's just it's just decked out, man. It's all the luxury swivel seats. It's got everything in it. I mean, it's it's loaded, and it's a joy to fish out of. It's really stable. Uh, rides nice, moves around good, and uh, yeah, you can catch a heck of a lot of white bass out of it or whatever else. It's just got a that, the, the electronics on that boat. And the fish finder on that boat, or I'm sorry, the trolling motor on that boat holding you where you want to be. It's just, uh, it's a nice rig. It's got everything on it. I use that for inland lake muskie, inland lake, like the white bass stuff, a little bit inland smallmouth I do every year. And then, and then Lake Erie is the big thing. Harbor steelhead, near shore warm water trips, specifically largemouth, big smallmouth, white bass. And the other thing that's just, again, is, is that I'm really kind of a pioneer and there's really not anybody else doing much of this. Um, Jeff Lesquet's done a little bit of this. Jeff, Jeff's been a, a long time guy in the business. That's, um, you know, he's kind of the master at spay fishing and two handed casting in Ohio, but Jeff's about the only other guy doing like inland warm water trips in the great lakes. But, but what I use that boat for is like the drum, man. I mean, and, and I like to call them drum cause that's what their real name is. You know, the, the walleye anglers at Lake Erie call them sheep's head. They hate them. I don't mind calling them sheeps or sheep's head either. You can hate them all you want. They're awesome fish. They fight hard. And, man, if you hook a 30-inch drum on an eight-weight, I mean, it's like the best thing ever. I mean, they're awesome fish. And I really believe, just like years ago, people laughed about carp. Now carp's huge. It's huge in our area, right? Like fly, and fly angling. I mean, they have tournaments. They have movies. They have all kind of events dedicated to the carp now. You watch. You give it another five, ten years, guys, freshwater drum is the next big upcoming thing in fly fishing. It gives us inland boys and us Great Lakes boys a chance at something that's just like black drum or redfish down in the salt. They're awesome fish. They take a fly readily, and they fight like hell. Do you get the sight fish for them, like the uh, the black drum or the redfish? Or are they... yeah, at, cer at certain times, yeah. So in June, they go really shallow. That's their spawning time in Lake Erie. You can, you can sight fish them a little bit then. They get up in really, really shallow, clear water. I mean, sometimes two to like six foot deep. But most of, most of the rest of the year, no, you're not sight fishing for them. Um, my kind of go-to is to get either, uh, if, if I know they're at least reasonably shallow, and what I mean by that is eight foot of water or less, I'll use a floating line with a stupid long leader, like nine or 10 feet to a, like a Whitlock's crayfish or a sculpin pattern, something like that. Same thing I would do for river smallmouth in the hot, hot part of the year. 
cast it out, pull it till it's just barely tight, let that fly sink down, and then do long, slow strips. And your indicator is the tip of your fly line. You're watching the tip of your fly line to see if it shoots or moves or pauses or does something different. Um, then, you know, once I get into the deeper portion of the year where those fish are more like eight plus, eight to 20 foot deep, just get that like three, five, seven SA triple density sink out. Same thing, still a crayfish or a sculpin, something like that. Um, there's lots of different flies that just, you want a fast singing fly that looks like either a crayfish or a goby. Get it down deep, move it along the bottom, and you can get those drum. Oh, they fight like hell, man. They're, they do fight. That, They're awesome I'm, fish. And, and I'm telling you, it's an up-and-comer. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Walleye guys like do the hate the shit out of them, It's going to be a thing. And fly anglers, you know, it's the beauty about what we do, right? Like, fly anglers don't have a problem with it. We don't care how ugly the fish is, all right? Maybe it's not the prettiest, most beautiful fish. But if you can catch it on a fly and it fights, who cares? It's awesome. It's fun. And drum definitely fill that role. You can not only catch big fish, you can catch a lot of them on the right day. And who wouldn't want to do that? Oh, it's just a super rare fish. I, you, like you're saying, you know, I think popularity with carp has grown due to people exposing themselves to it. And, and I know a ton of people who've never hooked into no drum and felt them rip. See, we used to catch a lot of smaller ones, but uh, the ones you're speaking of, them are... Them are giants, man. They're like big pie plates that you're trying to reel in. They they definitely can uh, can run you good on a seven or eight weight. I mean, who 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 would let fun get in the way of a good time? You know what I'm saying? Like, I know people scoff these fish, but like, you guys you guys prefer craft beer? Answer me that, right? You prefer craft beer? Yeah, uh, right 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 after we drink the Yanglings and. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you prefer craft beer. I mean, that's my point. Who wouldn't prefer yes. a good craft beer? All right. So then you go to your buddy's house and he's having a big old party and he bought a couple of kegs of uh, a, a freaking uh, PBR or Miller Lite, but it's free. Okay. We're, we're not, we're not, it's not free. drinking it. Like, and you can get all of it you want. Who's going to let fun get in the way of a good time? I mean, drum are awesome. Are they are they beautiful like steelhead or pike or musky? No, they're not the prettiest thing out there. Usually when you catch them, they kind of have like a big protruding asshole. <laughs> you know, they're not like the most beautiful fish. Yeah, Their lips are kind of goofy. Nasty. But man, they fight. They take a fly readily. You can get a bunch of them. Who wouldn't want that? Hey, no, nobody at this table has not went home with a girl that wasn't a little, little, little might not have been the prettiest girl at the, at the dance, but, you know, she was a hell of a good time. You mean a little ugly? <laughs> and they all had protruding assholes. They sure did. Yeah, had a protruding <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see where we go. Josh, Sorry, I don't believe you said that. I didn't say it. <laughs> so, um... Uh, the, there's one thing that we haven't spoken about that you've mentioned a couple of times, and that's uh, the fish that begins with the M word. No, yeah. Those oh, bastards. wait, 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 wait. Before we get to that, okay, we're missing a, a specific roll cast story. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, Josh, you, you and me had a, a text conversation going on today. Uh, you fish barbless hooks, right? I like to, yeah. For pike and muskie, I like to fish a barbless hook. As long as you keep pressure on them, they're not getting away from you. Okay, because mainly because of the reason that I sent you today, right? Uh, in yeah. Well, yeah, it's a twofold reason. It's <laughs> it's it's mainly because, I mean, let's be honest. If we were, if the primary concern we had was for the fish, we wouldn't fish. 
All right. Mm -hmm. We want to take yep. care of our fish, but we're probably going to protect ourselves first. Um, so, so yeah, the main, the main reason I want to fish a barbless hook is because I don't want to be hooked. The second reason is, is I don't want to screw up a fish. And, uh, you told us a story about a, a roll cast earlier. Are, are you willing to tell that on the air? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the, it's a great, it's a, yeah, I won't, I won't drop the name, but, uh, it was the immaculate roll last, cast. Uh, no, was that last spring? Yeah, it sure was. Spring of 19. Um, I had a couple of clients out and, um, I've got a, 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 a buddy of mine that's a young dude that was on his way to go work for an Alaskan outfitter for the first time. In fact, the Alaskan outfitter that I mentioned earlier in the program, he was, I got, I got him hooked up with those guys, the Johnson family's uh, good friends of mine, good friends of us at MRO. And, uh, and uh, they're always expanding and growing. So up there at KTL, Cat My Trophy Lodge and, and NRC, which is Knack Knack River Camp, which is where good old Joshy Trammell works. Who? They're always expanding and so I got, I got my buddy, Ben Phipps, a job up there and Ben is super fishy dude. He's an awesome guy. Uh, but he, you know, he, he can catch plenty of fish on his own. In fact, I think he could outfish me or just about anybody I know. He's just one of those guys who's just too good at it, <clears throat> but he's new to guiding. So I was like, look, Ben, here's what you need to do. You're going to come with me for a day or two on steelhead fishing, learn a little bit about guiding and that'll help you out up there. Uh, when, so he ended up getting landing a job at NRC in, uh, I think he went up there late May last year. I took him out in April and we had these two clients and we're steelhead fishing and it's, it's later into the spring. It's like mid or late April. The water's pretty warm. And so you can do a lot of nymphing then, but one of the exciting things you can do when you get to that point in the season is you can strip streamers for steelhead. And so I'd rigged a fella up. Um, he wasn't very good at a drag free drift and I'm like, all right, how could you mess up a strip? Right. So I rigged him up with a, with a, with a, with a, with a uh, seven weight with a sink tip line. And I'm like, all right, we're going to strip streamers for steelhead. And, uh, so we had been roll casting nymphing rigs all day and it was probably my failure that I didn't tell him. I didn't explain to him right from the get go that, Hey, you know, you, you, you traditionally cast or fly cast these streamers. And he went to roll cast right out of the gate. As soon as I rigged him up with uh, a sink tip line and four foot a liter on a, on a gallops mini dungeon. And there were steelhead everywhere, by the way, I'm like, all you got to do is cast this down there, kind of swing it through the chute and then strip it back. You're going to catch one. He's all excited. He's all worked up. I mean, you can see him. There's fish everywhere. There's all these spawners that are on this riffle. And there's this hole. We're in this perfect, beautiful hole. <clears throat> on a Western river and Lake Erie. And I'm like, all you got to do, man, is cast past those spawners and drop it in that water where you can't see the bottom and strip the streamer. And one of the fresh fish is just going to come up and blast it. And he's all excited. He's like, yeah, man, he's all, well, I forgot to tell him fly cast traditionally cast. And he goes to roll cast this thing. And it just, I mean, dude, he like roll cast and I don't see his fly land. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I turn and look at him, and he's sitting there shaking, and the back hook of the streamer is firmly planted in his upper lip. Yeah. And he's just like frozen. He's like, "Oh, I just messed up." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah that's mustache. the problem." And so I just turned to—I I mean, without skipping a beat, I turned to Ben, and I'm like, "Well, bud, you're the git, you know, which means guide in training." I was like, "You're the git. Uh, this is your this is your this is your final test." 
uh, get the hook out of the sky and you pass. And so ben lays him down on a gravel bar on his back. And I was like, man, I want you to breathe deeply, close your eyes and be calm. And he just takes my manly pliers. Manly's a brand of pliers from UK that are awesome. Uh, you can get those at madriveroutfitters.com. But anyway, so the manly, pl- he just grabs him and dude, Ben just like boop, rips it right out. And and he actually did excellent. Like he just ripped it out like pain free. The guy's like, oh, that didn't hurt as bad as I thought. So yeah, that's the, that's the roll cast hook in the upper lip story that I have that pertains to the day that you had, Chad. Oh, oh that was today. That was with my dad. My dad doesn't hook himself often, but in 40 mile an hour winds, it happened to the best of us. Yeah. Yeah, man. And we fish everything with fucking barbs. Hell with that. (laughs) Fish at your own risk, man. I've cut plenty of them barbs out of my arms. Shit happens. Why not? I mean, in 40-mile-an-hour winds, why not just chuck a beast fly out there with two treble hooks on it? Hey, man. He did. It was a game takes. It was a game changer with two hooks. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it was wicked. It made me cringe just looking at the picture. I've been hooked before. I, um... And in fact, now I've been, you know, I've been doing this long enough. I've, I've kind of achieved veteran status, but I've been doing this long enough that now, you know, you go, you learn as you go, right? Like when you're younger and you're new, like you're trying to impress everybody and you want to do the right thing and you, and you don't want to like, at least I didn't like want to overspeak and, and whatnot. But um, a few years back, um, I had a client that in my boat that just could not backhand cast like he could not do it. And I'm like, look, man, you really should like backhand cast. So he's like, he's a typical right-hander. So when we're fishing the river left bank, he's cool. We're fishing the river left bank. He wants to pick up over my head and cast. <laughs> I'm like, dude, look, I'm not comfortable with this. You need to backhand cast. And he's kept ignoring me. So <laughs> to this point, to this day, let me flash forward and say now, at the start of every trip I go on, seriously, I always tell my clients, look, guys, I'm pretty easy to get along with, but I have one rule. No casting through the boat. And what I mean by that is, is you cannot cast your fly anywhere that comes over the perimeter of the boat. Your fly may not pass through the perimeter of the boat. Your end, my end, or your buddy's end, you can't do it. You have to backhand cast. I don't care. And I'll tell them this now because I've just been doing this so long that I realize that it's okay. I will straight look you in the eye and tell you, you cannot cast through my boat. It's my rule. And if you do, I will take your fly rod. I will sit you down and put you in timeout. But I don't care how you feel about it. I really don't. Because I've been hooked before and it's not fun. That guy that day that I was telling you about, he ignored me. And he put a four saltwater hook in my upper lip past the effing barb. And I just, I had this immediate response. I don't know why. I just, I think I knew the longer it sits there, Josh, it's going to hurt. I reached up. I just yanked it out of my upper lip. I got blood pouring down my chin, pouring down my teeth. And I looked at him calmly, which is not me. If you know my personality, you learn my, it's not, I'm not that calm of a person. I looked at him calmly and I'm like, let's not do that again. And dude, it was quiet in the boat. Guys, it was quiet in the boat for the next two hours. Nobody said shit for two hours. There was not a word spoken after that. Uh, so yeah, that's my rule now. You, you just don't cast through the boat with the barbed hooks because... I don't like being hooked that much. Or or any hooks. Let's put it that way. Barbs yeah, or not. it's not fun, you know. That's uh, we, we try our best. Like I said, we were on a raft today, and uh, we try our best to not cast over the boat. What's a tip on a day like that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Fra- Oh, Frank was the worst. Frank used to do it for years. And, and Frank... 
Frank's always been a good caster. Like, Frank never came close to hitting me. What annoyed me about Frank was those giant custom bullshit muskrat flies that he would bring along. <laughs> and it would be like 40 degrees out. And Frank's the only one in the boat. And he goes to pick up. He's in the front of the boat. And he's a right-hander. He's fishing the river left bank. And Frank goes to pick up and back cast. It's 40 degrees outside. And I got a gallon and a half of water coming off of his muskrat fly <laughs> dripping on my head. And I'm like, Frank. Uh, maybe try to learn how to backhand cast. And he's like, whatever, bitch. And he just, he just picks up and he just freaking back. He did. He just looked at me. He's like, whatever, man, I'm paying you. And he back casts over my head and, and just drains water on me on a cold day. They give you the, um, de the degeneration X. Suck it. Yeah. Oh, he didn't care. He didn't care. He was totally disrespectful. I'm paying you. What's funny about that now is that Frank brags. Um, about being the uh, the best backhand caster in the business. He's since learned to be a heck of a backhand caster. But at that time, I was just like, Frank, man, you can't do this. Like, you're I Dude, I'm, it's a sunny day. Sunny day and 40 degrees outside, and I'm getting soaked and don't even have a rain jacket because there's a 0% chance of rain in the forecast. And Frank's sitting there soaking me with his uh, foot-and-a-half-long custom muskrat fly that he's backcasting over my head. And I'm just like, wow. You know, like, why are you... Why are you doing this, you know? But he's good at it now. He's, I give him credit. He's learned how to backhand cast. He's a lot better. So we haven't gotten to the muskie train at all. Uh, you want to get into your muskie program? What What do you do for it? How How long have you been doing it? Uh, and what, what should people think about when they want to go muskie fishing in Ohio? I mean, I would just get into it by saying this. Um, I just do the same thing as everybody else. I run around and cast a bunch uh, for no particular reason and scratch my head at the end of the day and wonder why I even exist. Okay. Um, <laughs> pretty, pretty much like yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> so I was Typical, asking. right? No, seriously. So what I'm doing is a little bit different than, um, you know, most of us fly anglers. We're river rats, right? Like with pike, I'm a river rat. With steelhead, I'm a river rat. With smallmouth, I'm a river rat. So my muskie program is, is a little different than most people. Um, I'm still, I'll admit I'm still fairly new at it. I've had some good success so far, but I'm still fairly new. I'm targeting lakes. I'm targeting Ohio's inland stocked lakes uh, for muskie, and um, which I will admit is probably one of the hardest things that you can do. Um, in a river, it's just a little bit simpler. Rivers and small streams, it's pretty obvious where those fish are at and where, where to go to, where to target them. In lakes, Man, those those suckers can hide. Um, thanks to the uh, uh, you know another plug here again, the hook reveal seven Lawrence. Get yours at Lawrence.com. Those <laughs> those the, that that takes some guesswork out of it. Good electronics helps a lot in the lake. Um, but it's it's that's what I'm doing is working lakes right now. It's a fairly new program for me. I just opened guide trips to it this year. I've been doing it for about five years. I don't I don't put anything out there. In all seriousness, guys, I will not offer a trip out there. I will not take anybody's money um, if I don't deserve it. I've put some time into this. I've worked hard at it. I've began to build a program for it. And um, that's what I do. I do Inland Lake Muskie right now, uh, uh, specifically on eastern and northeastern Ohio's lakes. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's a lot different than the river thing. Um, I know how to do a little bit of river musky, but I leave most of that to uh, my good friend and colleague, Pat Kelly. 
um, which you guys should definitely have uh, Pat sometime on the show. He is he is a he is a hidden gem in our state. Pat is an awesome dude and has been with Mad River Outfitters for a long time, longer than me, and does a lot of uh, Southern Ohio Creek muskie and some West Virginia muskie in the creeks. And he's a genius at it. <clears throat> he's taught me a lot over the years. And uh, uh, it, you know, Pat Pat does the rivers and the creeks. I do the lakes. Um, one thing about the lakes, I will say this too. Let me throw this little tidbit in there. You know, I think that here's the thing. When you go river or creek fishing, now this is me. Again, this is my opinion, guys. This is totally, totally theory. But one thing I feel like I've learned is, is when you go river or creek fishing for muskie, you can throw those big gargantuan flies and do really, really well. We're talking like the big, like 12 to 14, 15 inch flies. And when I go lake fishing for muskie, um, I shock some of my clients when I whip out like a six to eight inch pike fly or smallmouth fly. I was like, here, throw this. And they're like, what? musky fishing. Me throwing like a big fly. Here's where I believe the theory lies. Here's where the difference is. River and creek muskies, their primary food source, just like pike, is suckers, hog suckers, red horse, quillbacks, white suckers bigger bigger fish the, the the their average adult muskie so i'm talking 30 to 50 inch fish is targeting prey that's between 10 and 15 16 18 inches in the lakes in ohio muskie's primary forage i'm not saying they won't eat other things primary forage is shad and it depends on the time of year where what size those shad are the grouping the weather conditions, but primarily even the biggest muskie are slashing through shad that are anywhere from two to eight inches long. That's not to say they don't have other forage there. And of course your age old, like spin fishing, like 65 plus year old retiree guys are like, oh man, the muskie are eating all the walleye. Muskie aren't really eating walleye. They're eating shad. Um, and maybe once in a while you're white bass. They can eat the white bass. That's fine. Yeah. There's plenty of them there. Believe Once in a while. Me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you can't get through those things right now without, without jigging one up, but, <laughs> but they're, they're eating shad. They're eating the, yeah, sure. They're eating some white bass too. They're, e they're eating suspended pods of fish that are easy to catch. Why would a muskie go off and dig around looking around the Creek bed for saw guys or screw with large mouth and weed beds that are hard to catch that are camouflaged when you have these big, balls of bait fish and open water that are pretty easy to just open your mouth and push through right so that's we do pretty well um justin justin was just like looking at me like i was a goofball because when i started taking justin muskie fishing with me for the first time this spring we were using like really small flies and justin's like man i just can't get over this christopherson's like man i just can't get over this like i want to throw a six inch fly for a muskie and i'm like yeah dude these especially the particular lake we're at at that time the guys that and, and it's funny because this has never changed over the years you have these traditional <clears throat> conventional musky anglers out there a lot of like the big bulldogs and the big sledges and the big grandmas and they catch like a musky or two every five or six trips and then you have these particular group of anglers that can't stand the musky that are going out and catching sometimes four or five of them a day and 
I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to drop this on your show. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to name a specific group of people. It's going to hurt. You guys are going to cringe, but they're called, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus, forgive me. Largemouth bass anglers. Oh, Jesus Christ. Why'd you say that? <laughs> and the largemouth bass anglers. Wait, you hate those guys too? All the damn musks on like two to three to four inch crankbaits. Red eye shad. Spinnerbaits. Because why? What's in, what is in the spring that is so popular? Two to five inch shad are everywhere. And the musks just slash through them. You don't have to target one. You can open your mouth and push through a bait ball of all of them. And so that's why, like, the smaller baits prevail. That's my theory again. I know, I know somebody's going to listen to your show. It's going to be like, these guys hired an idiot to come on this show. But I'm Wait, we're not guys, paying him. It yeah, so you're sure. It's we, reality. We didn't hire you. You're not getting any money for this. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Click. Wow. What's your cash app so we can send you nothing? <laughs> hey. No, no, and and then on on hindsight, like you said, everybody's going big. Why not fish? What's different? I, there's a lot of pressure in Ohio, right? Some of these musky lakes, right? A ton, and that's the thing. I, I mean, it's not easy. The program that I picked is certainly not easy. To fish the lakes is really tough because it's incredibly pressured. Not from a fly standpoint, but the convention, the conventional gear standpoint. Yeah, those fish are incredibly pressured. You guys get a lot of trollers on the lakes up there. I mean, I know, I know, just fishing that local area, we used to see a lot of trollers in the lakes when we would fish. Hmm. We what? spend a lot of time on Pymie. I think there's enough said with that one. Huh? Well, <laughs> well, look at the electronics. Like you said, these guys go out with the big bondy baits and and target them when it gets hot, and they go deep. And that's kind of tough for other guys to do with with different gear, you know. Hey, Josh. Next time you take Justin out. Remind him what he caught his first muskie on. Oh, I will do that. It was a three-inch hollow fly at Jay's oh, bachelor I party. I remember. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and that motherfucker was scared to touch that fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't even pick it up, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll drop that on this podcast. <laughs> he probably thought smallmouth fishing. Hey, he... We were. We were, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, th- those those muskies on them lakes, man, they never get a break. Guys fish them deep. Guys fish them all through the summer. That That's a that's a nonstop game. So to be able to go out there with the flies and try to produce something a little different, being consistent, that's that's pretty good. You getting a lot of smallmouth bycatch and stuff on that? Like, you know, and then Blake's? Because there's some giant smallmouth down there in the lakes, too. There, Well, there is. No, I would say more so the bycatch is actually largemouth. Not not to say that there's not a few smallmouth, and of course, occasionally like a saw guy too. It's because their eyes um, are big. The saw guy tend to actually be more, I would say, the more common bycatch. But yeah, large. If I'm gonna get a bass, it's probably a largemouth. There's one particular lake that I'm musky fishing that has pretty strong number of smallmouth in it, but most of them are just kind of largemouth lakes. Um, lake that I grew up fishing more for musky. Uh, back before I fly fished for him, that's almost all entirely largemouth. So, Josh, we've had you on the phone for well over an hour. Um, is there anything? Has that... it been that long? Geez, it feels like five minutes. Under, you, underwater, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, is there anything that we haven't hit on that you would like to touch on? Uh, I don't know, man. It's not my show. I mean. <laughs> No, I mean, anything yeah. about you that we haven't touched on? Uh, anything that you would like to promote or talk about? Any, anything. 
Anything new well, coming no, up in the pipeline? Of course, I'm going to plug my homies. I mean, I mean, you know, anybody listening to the show, I mean, just check out Mad River Outfitters and what we're doing. And, of course, when you introduced me, um, people might have heard something they haven't heard before, which is not just Mad River Outfitters. I think most people have heard of that, but Ohio Fly Fishing Guides, which is our new – uh, sister company at Mad River Outfitters, we started it's dedicated specifically to the guide business. Um, and, and it's it's in time as we continue to develop it, it's going to be so much more than just a guide service website. We're going to have um, actually we're going to do video fishing reports on there um, where myself or somebody else is going to come on once a week i mean imagine justin's mug on there doing a video fishing report wouldn't that be awesome we can't oh, imagine uh, yeah there was it <laughs> that beautiful beard lose business at that point but we might try it and uh, you know i mean he should probably shave those yeah he, cheeks a little he could bit just run the beard does. commercial so, but <laughs> i seen something i saw something cool you guys had going on in mad river uh there's like a fly five minute uh uh, fly tying and you got oh, to go oh, out the and... five minute fly tying yeah. challenge is awesome that's on our youtube channel yeah it's it's the funny thing about the five minute fly tying cha- uh, challenge is again dev as our media guy like devin is just like he's a genius at doing this stuff he's a guy behind mad river outfitters um youtube and social media right now he's an absolute genius he's just he's the least appreciated and least known member of our team but Dev, like, came up with this idea. He's like, you know what we should do? We should, like, get you guys, like, individuals on there um, doing this. In fact, Justin's got one. It hasn't been aired yet. So wait till you see that. Oh, it's I've heard. Absolute, it, it I've is heard about absolutely it. horrific. I've heard. I've heard all about it. He told me about it in conversation. Mine, but... Mine's out. Uh, Katie Johnstone's is out. Uh, Ryan Ratliff's is out. Ratliff's is pretty good. I'm going to critique it a little bit on your show. Here's the problem with Ratliff's. The guy's way, way, way too good of a fly tire. So Ratliff's fly actually came out pretty nice where you put uh, some people on me, some people on there that are more uh, average like me and Katie, our flies are pure trash. And so the fun is just watching me and Katie struggle and the little bit of comedic action that we have. Um, and Justin's fly is pure trash. So, so it's, it's just a fun segment that we did where it's like, who's going to tie a good fly uh, in five minutes. But I do think it's funny that like 90% of people get it. And we had like 10% of the feedback come across like, Oh, you guys are idiots. You're coming to professionals in the business. And these are the kind of flies you're tying. Like you can always find that Scrooge out there. Right. That, like just too dumb to understand what you're actually going. He started for. watching like 18 reality, seconds but, in. Um, yeah, that's what we, we, yeah. The five minute fly tying things. Cool. What's on there. Just go to matter of outfitters, YouTube in general. I'd plug that as we just have, so much awesome stuff we're working on and at Mad River Outfitters right now. I mean, I'm just proud to be a part of the team and we're just we're just doing some crazy crazy good stuff in the fly fishing community. And we're at the point now where business is good enough that we don't just have to worry about making a profit, but we're actually pretty high on just making sure that everybody has a good time in fly fishing in general and I think that's pretty cool. We always want to introduce more more people to our sport right because the only way that we're going to preserve what we do and keep it going for generations is to introduce more people to it and i think that's pretty important so you're uh, the general manager of the the guide service uh what how many guides do you have with you uh, a lot of the guys who work with you at mad river are also i think we for have you? nine on staff right oh, awesome. now that's a lot nine or 
I can't remember the exact number. Um, you know, a couple of those are full timers. Most of those are people that are working around a specific schedule, which is most guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's only a handful of actual fly, uh, full time fly fishing guides in Ohio. I'm one. Uh, Josh Trammell's one at SAO. I'm not going to name the others because they're not that important, but there's, there's a handful of fly fishing guides in Ohio that are full time. Uh, And then also we have a lot of good part timers that are working in the shop. Ryan Ratliff's an awesome uh, steelhead guide. Um, Justin's doing some guiding for us now on steelhead. And uh, he's also going to be doing some small mouth stuff. We've got a new guy that um, actually we're going to be putting his stuff up this week. He's an awesome guy. Um, You guys, I don't know if you guys know him or not. His name is Justin Queen. He actually runs a little side business called Predator Fly Design. He's our newest guide at MRO. He's going to be doing um, some pike guiding, smallmouth guiding, and steelhead guiding for us. Great dude. Super fishy guy. And uh, so, yeah, we're running, uh, I think, I don't know uh, the exact number, but there's eight or nine of us there. Katie is going to be doing some steelhead guiding for us here by next spring. Um, Liam. Uh, is our a, a new another new guy at the shop? It's going to be doing some steelhead and and Mad River stuff. So and of course Pat Kelly, uh, I know I talked about Pat earlier, but I can't say enough good about Pat. He's a great friend of mine. Um, super super whiz at pike and muskie. Um, great smallmouth angler, and uh, also does a little bit of Mad River streamer trout fishing. Pat's an awesome awesome guy. And, uh, yeah, we've just got a great team. Even Brian still finds a few days a year to guide on this busy, busy schedule. And, um, yeah, we're growing, um, and we're killing it. And I, and I hate to say this on your show, cause I know I'm going to get crushed with some junk mail, but we are actually looking, we're so busy right now. We're turning away business and I am looking for a steelhead guide, uh, in the state of Ohio right now. And it's a really hard thing to find, but we are looking for a steelhead guide right now. There you go. You he- you heard it here first, right? There you go. Heard it on SVS podcast first. I haven't made a post about it yet on social media because uh, usually get flooded with a lot of crazy stuff with uh, putting that out there. But I am looking for uh, a serious inquiry of uh, somebody that knows their stuff, that uh, knows how to, to, to put people on uh, steelhead on the fly here in the state of Ohio. And that's a good thing. So is that growing? Is Our that anybody is totally growing right now? And it's booming. It's good. Is that anybody who can roll cast into their lip and tie a sucker spawn? I mean, that's probably my first requirement. <laughs> Stiff upper lip. If you can do that, if you can use eagle qual, eagle, eagle qual, wire leaders, like you're hired. And Boom, catch right steelies? Yeah, you're, oh. you got the job. It's a roll cast into your upper lip. It's pull the hook from someone's lip that had roll cast into their own lip. Oh, no, I was talking about that guy. That guy wants the job, man. Ben Phipps did that day. I mean, Ben Phipps absolutely crushed it. That that guy, (laughs) he should not, he should just say, screw it. Why be a fly fishing guy and be broke? That guy should be be like a surgeon. surgeon. (laughs) Like, he has the hands of an angel. He should be a professional surgeon. That was magic. I know I couldn't have done it, and that's why I asked him to do it. Yeah, no, you got to take a picture next time something happens like that for the next training. Like, yeah, see this? This could happen at. I have it. I have it. I'll get you guys. I'll get you guys the picture so that you can post it as a follow up to the show on social media. It's pretty brutal. That would be great. That would be yep. awesome. The so, whatnots to do. Hey, Josh, man, thank you so much. This has been great. I don't want to keep you any longer on a Sunday night. Um, thank you so much. 
your time has been yeah, man. well spent happy, with us. <laughs> happy to come on. I don't think we covered that much that was that important, but I'm happy to be on. I think it was definitely fun, and uh, you guys are a blast, man. Keep keep rocking, and I mean, the show is just awesome. You guys are the best. It's what is this? You should mix it up. This is a 311. <laughs> Remix. All right, this is when you tell your your story. Hey, that's all mixed up, asshole. I'm mix <laughs> it up. No, not all mixed up either. The one I played in your garage for you, we were doing deer tails. Mix it up. Let me see this thing. Okay. Jesus fucking Christ. What well, the fuck okay, is this so shit? Go ahead and tell your story well, while I find this song. Yo, what fucker, is this? Where the fuck are we at right now? How do, how do I use this iPhone? I cleared everything. <laughs> hey, I want to say a big thanks to, to Josh McQueen and MRO. That's, uh, and uh, what's the... And OhioFlyFishingGuides.com. Awesome. Hey, um, today is November 1st. Wednesday is November 3rd. I want everyone to go out and vote. I don't give a fuck who you vote for. Just go out and vote. I have a funny story about voting. My wife, on the way home from Maryland the other day, was trying... We're not going to say anything about who anyone wants to vote for. She was trying to convince me to vote for the the opposing party because we're opposing mindsets. Your wife? My wife and I are opposing mindsets. And I was yeah, whatever, babe. It's not going to happen. I can't do that. She said... Well, if I chloroform you on Tuesday, you will know why. So I had to go to work and tell my boss, if if I'm not here on Tuesday, come and look for me because my wife chloroformed me. That's great. Over, so, over the election. Over the election. <laughs> what the fuck? So um, uh, that, that, that's the only thing that I, I think we should See, say. See, that's is, why I'm not married because I chloroform girls and girls chloroform I, I got a phone call at work <laughs> about... Obviously, setting service for a car, and then it proceeded with. You gonna swing by Tuesday morning and gas Chad on your way so he doesn't get up or what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know who I'm talking about. I do now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the old Zuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just started laughing. So yeah, like I said, I uh, I don't care who anyone votes for. Just fucking go out and vote. And uh, if if you don't see me at the polls. Please go tell the authorities because my wife chloroformed me. This was the song I was talking about. Okay. Y- you said all mixed up or mix it up or something. It's the name <laughs> of the song, Mix It Up. Yeah, the first thing I saw in the Apple Music was Mix It Up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would like, widen your horizons on music, no, Mark. not at all. <laughs> straight, I sit in the basement the for Rasta. six hours a night. I'm going to listen to what I want to. <laughs> So it's about five bands lately <laughs> on repeat sick for every single day. <laughs> I like it too. Those are all using my bands though too. I I'm with you. God damn it, we minus, just had Joe's break. Minus I grab fucking yours. Pearl Jam. <laughs> Ugh, I know you love a, a lot of Pearl Jam in your your heavy Pearl Jam in your shit. I haven't been listening to a ton lately now. A lot of three eleven, a lot of brand new Taking Back Sunday. I was listening to a lot nah, of that. Yeah. Um I like the three eleven. That's my shit. I've been kind of listening to yeah, a little dude, more do you guys upbeat get a, stuff. I, I, not to get into any of music. Dirty Heads? Dude, you guys... Oh, that's I'm some, not a fan. What? No. Dude, I'm that's some good either. shit, man. That's like 311. That like follows the 311 Sublime, that whole... 90, like, yeah, I love it, man. It, it, wasn't it. 
Oh sure, but it's it's it's. I'm not. I like I'm not it. sipping I a hater. A lot rate, of Incubus. A lot of that. Uh, don't do it. A lot lately too has been Audio Slave. Hmm. Just yeah. because I really can't stand Zach De La Rock at all, and it's kind of turned me off rage. But I still. Then there's Audio Slave. It's even better. Now you throw Chris Cornell in. All, all, all great music. I, anything that Tom Morello is involved in to me is great music. He is a. Uh, those guys all stick together pretty well, the three of them, no matter who they have singing around them, whether it be Be Real and the new, like their newest group. But now I think they're back Rage now. I don't know. But I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure they're back as Rage. I haven't listened to music since COVID's been around. I was in the 90s alternative. Yeah, you, me too. A lot of it. And some of the other, like I mentioned. Other than that, that's what it is. Pumpkins, a lot of that. Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam. Some of the English stuff. Catherine Wagon um, Wheel. Man, that those those elk balls made my uh burps stink like shit. That's, the elk balls. That's you I don't know smelling the elk, like that? man. I don't know. Oh fucking man, it's loser. awful, dude. <laughs> You're wondering the whole fucking time. I'm glad Damn, it like, is that smell some, out the other because you've been chirping that's somebody's like crazy. <laughs> 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 I, I think I mentioned on the podcast before though, my uh, brother in law shot an elk. So I went over and helped them with some uh, stuff. He sold. They just sold their house. They're moving to the town we live in. So they're going to be West they're Middlesex people. They're going to be townies. Yeah, so uh, selling their house. They need a couple things getting done. And he just hands me, like, a bunch of ground meat. And I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. You know, grounded up at Dad's house. Dad's a big grinder and stuff from when we used to process deer at the house. that I had nothing to do with any of the skinning. Just cut the meat. Once the meat has no uh, fur on it, I'm good to go. So, but... So he used that, and man, it was good. Those were good. Turned out real well. Yeah, and nicely we, done. We uh, I spent some time with him hunting last weekend, up at camp. I'm not gonna get too much into it, but uh, just man, but he bought he brought tons of elk up. All we ate was elk meat. Like it was like elk and eggs, elk this just elk steaks basically, just just bunches of meat. I felt like I was on a, a, a fishing trip with Mark. I ate just. Fuckload of elk meat. That was it. It's funny you say that too, because I am terrible at anything other. You're gonna come. I'm gonna cook good, but you're probably only gonna eat meat. Yeah, bring some vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of being on a, a fishing trip with Mark, what was the treat I brought today for for uh, today's? They were oh, pretty yeah. good too. Uh, man, bacon wrapped Oreos, golden Oreos. Yes. And he. I was like, hey, you bring them today? And I didn't know how, what it, if it was like food. I thought it might have been like, I didn't even know what it was wrapped in bacon. I just seen, you know, <laughs> on the pictures that you sent us, I just seen something wrapped in bacon. Anything wrapped in bacon is it fucking good. Right? It was an Oreo. So I was like, oh, you bringing those? And he's like, because we stopped at Sheets this morning. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll get, we, I didn't know how much food that was. Uh, it was, it was, there were snacks, not meals. So we all grabbed food. But, oh man, they were good, Chad. Like they came out good. They came out a lot better than I thought they would. Deceivingly <laughs> good. Like huh. you wouldn't think. I, I don't know. I tried one of my. Oh yeah, I have to. Are they? They were grilled. I, I got that new smoker, like a uh, new Weber kettle, and I smoked them. <laughs> smoked so, Oreos. Yeah, man. <laughs> it it's super. What else like, you smoking? A lot, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Gonna be smoking a lot to smoke some. Fucking bacon wrapped Oreos. I guess, man. I, but anything's better with bacon, though, right? We all know that. What beers? I need one uh, if you guys get up. I need two, right. actually. If all we're, right. 
<laughs> so, I want to talk about Mark's uh, fishing here, too. I do, fishing too. Fishing talk, yay. Hey, go go grab us some beers, Jack, and then we'll talk Mark's fishing talk. <laughs> but the elk meat was, was fucking meat was awesome, good. dude. I love it. I love elk. It's way different than fucking deer. We need that in a cast iron on the side of the river. It'll taste even better. I That's did it on a cast iron on an electric stove. <laughs> it was really like, good. You, need, you and I need to take my brother-in-law on a float, then. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I like that. Now you're thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did a little float. We did uh, our next section down from our normal. Kind of wanted to try something a little different, but it was, it's been so super low. You had hopscotched over that float in in yes, searching I have the, I searching have. our river. In 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 the obvious reason I've always hopscotched over it's for the fact that it has the one section that I just I don't prefer to fish. So you guys have always just, okay, let's go here and there, and we've went around it. So I was like, you know what? The river was still super low. I'm like, this would be a cool experience for them. Come, let's see this. And I know we're going to get to it as we work our way in, but holy crap, I wasn't prepared for that. I mean, I'm standing there on the other bank just looking over, like, jaw drops. Like, tell, I'm trying to explain to the guys, like, that, that wasn't like that. That's a massive hill, like, up higher than that tree that's standing. That used to be a huge hill. We'd have to run down it. And there was another hill behind it. And it's like flat as far as you can see now. Crazy. Yep. Big equipment making it flat. But we met up in the morning and, uh, it's, I mean, then it's still getting late at 730. So, I mean, you're starting a little late, a little foggy. And we got going, got on the opposite bank, started throwing a little bit of pike flies and that like seven, six to seven inch range and. We got down, and I made a couple back rows, and all of a sudden, fish! Like, okay. Like, that was a nice fish, We're too. just getting ready to hit the riffle, so I'm like, hurry up. I'm like, I'm going to hurry up and back row and just stand it up and get it onto the bank. So we got onto the bank, landed the fish. Yeah, it was like a nice 16, 17 inch smallie. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat. And just right where it should be, right behind the shopping know, cart? Well, <laughs> kind of like sticking up out of the water enough to oh, that, that size of a debris pile. And it was just right behind a little back eddy. Chucked it right back there. Boom. Fish hammered it. and Good good fish. And I was fishing with uh, Matt and Chris. So they brought <coughs> they brought the smith up. We got to row it around for a little while. Sorry, I was grabbing beers and peeing. What size fly? And what were you guys like? Were you throwing changers? Were you throwing seavers? You no, throwing we started off kind of... Clousers? Pike style. <coughs> six, seven inch stuff. Uh... Matt had like a little mini double type Buford, something of that nature. Chris had like a single with a Paccarini tail. And as we kind of progressed down, Chris moved to the smallmouth stuff, went down a little deeper with Clousers. Matt kind of kept trucking, trying to get, he wanted to get a pike or a muskie. So we worked our way down through and it's just tough when it's, it's that super low. I mean, uh, there's a lot of really good water up top and I felt we Beat it up pretty good. I mean, it was a little dingy color. We had some rain the night before. Worked our way down through, and there's just nothing toothy critter-wise moving at all. You didn't get, uh, um, there's a, there's a big rock pile. Like a giant, giant, like, fucking damn near island rock pile. Mm-hmm. Nothing off that either. No, nothing off the rock pile. I caught, pile. like, two fish off that ever. Every fucking time I've I go never caught there, anything off that. We caught a walleye off there one time and a decent smallmouth, and I've never seen another fish out there. One good smallmouth, because I always remember, I'm like, oh, I'm going to fish here. I, mean, Chris, I know. I've heard about it ever since. Yeah. We moved down. <laughs> and we've never seen another. <laughs> Chris picked up a little smallmouth, and we kept going. We went past the first feeder creek that came in, and Matt was rowing at that point, I think, or Chris. Chris was rowing. 
and we got up to the second feeder creek and stripping through and I just it felt like it hit the top of like a laid down uh like branch and it like pulled and then I look back and it was like a big swirl at the top I'm like oh that was a fish throw back and right beside the raft like a mid 20s pike comes up swipe and that's the last we saw of it and that was the only pike or musky we saw for the day so we got down to that area and hung out there for a good couple hours I pulled a couple of decent sized walleye out on black clousers and Again, that was it. It was just quiet. Picked up another couple smallies throughout, like smaller ones, but hmm. I mean, that was just. No silver fish at all. No. Or not, whatever you want to call them. Not a one. Color. No hybrids. Huh. No hybrids. They're gone. They're not gone. Shit. What happens when it gets cold? You take your ass in the house. I, you know, I just think they can chase the. I don't know. I don't they know what happens. They can't chase the bait. That's the problem. All that, the, the I'm ad, betting you they're the back effort, up there right now. Well, I mean, where where I bet so too. Where the effort's worth it. Where there is bait, they they're up there now. They can't just be water. out in random places with no bait, trying to hunt only little things it sees. You know what I mean? It's got to be somewhere where that bait goes. So if we know where that mm. bait went, you know what I mean. How much we, time uh, do you put into them, and have you ever put it to them in the fall time, though, Jay? How fast can you strip a streamer and a fish want to chase it sorry. after October? Damn it. You can't because, well, I mean, it's the same way you, well, you'd mean, fish them. You'd go back to fish them like we do in the springtime. You know what, though? Yeah, no, and I'm going I'm to I'm gonna gonna disagree with that because down where I um, musky fish, they're, they're in there, too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, why I remember. And I've had called. them come up on flies that were dead, like pretty much dead, just sitting there. Drifted. Whether they were drifted or if it was right after a figure eight and hung at the top. I've had a couple heads come up, and I've had one come up and eat. But I've seen probably three or four fish that, that have come up and, and, and peeked at them, and none of them have ever been on the strip. They've always been that time of the year in December when it was hanging, and you'd see the heads come up. And just one, you could just tell the big eye was different. Hunting. It wasn't a muskie. And I, I farmed one bad. It was probably about an eight-pound fish, but it was right after a figure eight. I stopped the fly, and then all of a sudden, boom, he just come now up and sipped it real but quick. But you're talking about Slow. a lot slower water than oh, yeah. where we're we potentially catch, you know, getting, Absolutely. getting but, the Absolutely, but you know doggone well that a shad's not going to go ripping in January. Nope. So, so I'm throwing a clouser on a fucking giant thing in a bobber. But a fish isn't gonna. Isn't this is gonna, what I'm gonna do. I'm doing it, man. You the prime, the prime lies. prime lies in the summer, were for a reason. Because my the opinion, then fish fall back to wherever the next biggest pole is, and they drop down to the bottom of it, and they hang out there, deep. and they feed on whatever the. Like shag- Josh said, they have high metabolism. They're feeding. They're they feeding. have to. They're gonna go right to where the shad are. The shad aren't gonna stay in current and work when it's cold and it's 35 degrees. They're going to drop back into a deep pole. They're going to sink down. If the pole's 12 foot, they're going to sink Back down to 10 foot. And, stuff like and they're that. just going to move around that pole, and they're going to dart around, and they're going to go pace off of the light and how warm it is to shallow. And them wipers are just going to feed up and on during the day on them. I wonder they're not going to quit eating I by no means. By no. The, they're they going to eat all winter. They have to. By where the water 100%. shoots out where you say you have gone that one before. That is exactly like where stretch. I was thinking, where that water shoots out down there below there. Yep. We did... Uh, Great shore lunch this time. What'd you guys do? Cheddar and uh, bacon, little like package sausage in the jet mm. boil. <laughs> I didn't want to pack everything because we have three of us in a raft, so it's not like with two we have tote. So I just brought the jet boil, threw it all in there. 
And Matt, okay. we're talking about you. You're listening. So hopefully I'm talking loud enough this time. He told me I definitely don't talk loud enough when I'm in the mic. Oh, oh, did he? Yeah. He said you're not Do like you speak Mark. He said you're not like Jason and fucking Chad who scream no. into the microphone. No. So one one good smallmouth on that trip and seen one pike. That was it. And then uh, what? Later in the week, did a pike trip and that was a little bit better. And that was different because I fished that section of the creek substantially higher than what it normally is, and I couldn't walk it the way I normally do. So hugged the banks and started off dark because it was dark out and nothing, nothing, nothing. Went over to the normal chartreuse over white. It's kills them there. A couple casts later, boom, hooked a pickerel. So that's a good start. Puts fit, go back, make a cast up onto the bank, and I make a couple strips, and it is like a five-foot white slash just goes flying across there, and nothing. Strip it back in, make the next cast, two strips in, fish does the same thing, except this time, bites it clean off. Gone. Got it. Whether it inhaled it deep enough or it hit it high enough. What do you got? 30 pounds? No, it's wire. What? <laughs> 15 inches of wire. And it bit it above it. So got it all. Got the so whole thing. This sucker comes by, flying by. So that fly's gone. Well, that's just fantastic. So I got a chartreuse over white. This stupid cord. Hold on one second. Let me fix this cord out of my way so I quit hitting it. All right. You're good at me anymore. So we go, I go to a right over white. First cast with it, I'm stripping in, and about four foot from me, I see this gill flare. I'm like, oh, crap, that's not a pickerel. That's better-sized fish. And it swipes, and it misses it. Stripped it right through. Next cast comes back two foot from me. Fish comes back up and golfs it. Same deal. Suck that fly deep. Get a good pike, 25, 26-inch pike. Destroyed the fly trying to get it out. So I got left, that black fly again. Put it on, never saw another fish rest of the night. Hmm. They wanted white there. Hmm. Big time. And it was dark, overcast. And typically I can fish that whole run through there in like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. I was there well over an hour. I barely made it a quarter of the way through. It was that deep. That was sinking in everywhere. I was stuck everywhere. Finally just like stopped. I'm I'm just fishing here and covering as much as I could. You get a couple steps in, and it was just. They didn't. They dumped off. They dumped the bait in for you a couple weeks ago. Not in there. A, a upstream, huh? Mm-mm. Oh, that doesn't hit that water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know me. I used to go. No, but a lot of that stocky fishing in October. Well, the, that high water yeah, well, helped push them back. I mean, that's, well, that's the pipe were way be... back on from where they normally were. Oh, you're fishing high in the other in, in the other trib. Mm-hmm. The one that feeds that one. Yeah. He's talking about even up the opposite end. Oh, no, yeah, no, no. I'm going to do a feeder of that one. Yeah, no. Yeah. There's, there's nothing. Uh, you know, don't get some in there. I stuck one one day on a pike fly. So, about Mark. 15-inch trout. Um, what's it called? Uh, the Bent Podcast is looking for funny, embarrassing pictures of fishermen. I'm going to send a picture of you in that trip that you're in holding a trout like this. Oh, man, I remember <laughs> that. that. was the exact trout I'm speaking of that hit the pike streamer. The fish, I was just... And he went all the way up that other one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, that L- doesn't surprise me. A little shameless plug to all them fish on the new minis. Oh, 
They're slaying them. <laughs> but yes, that was the trout that I took. A stupid. I couldn't get the dang fish off the hook. I know. Oh, yeah. And then Matt or uh, Pat photoshopped a something else. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna send the the picture of you holding the the, the trout. <laughs> ah. Dude, the minis are yeah, sweet, nice. man. I like the minis. I've I've been a fan since uh. The one that was left in my basement. The minis have been catching fish, bro. Yeah, I, 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 uh, you know, me and Chad threw it the one day together just because I didn't, I didn't even fished really. I just threw it to see how it swim. And I'm like, oh wow, okay. Yeah. Chad's like, it sucks. <laughs> tell him, it's, tell him it fucking sucks. <clears throat> Should never sell it. And then just keep that secret. And then yeah, now it's been. Yeah, I, I use it a lot. I use them a lot. They're they're great flies. They dance and hang. Are the minis on the? Yeah. On the uh, the normal program, can people order the minis yet? Yeah, they're on the website. Yep, you can hop on and get them. If anyone had a few more colors, but there's I don't know probably a dozen colors up. If anyone wants to catch fish, throw those goddamn minis. I'm telling you, man. No. Uh, what what was that one your dad had? It was like tan with a red throat. No, no, it's like no, it's white, that white, yeah. white with a ta- with white, white with, with a red, red with a red even just like a it's like a like a ring just mm-hmm. in the in, in the, the yeah in the head. Yeah. Oh. I that have I have a new one of those, <laughs> and I have a new and I have a new uh, orange and black like yeah, he was talking yeah, about. Get you, get yeah, a couple more. Yeah, I'm gonna start. And the tree has a new game changer. And in a rainbow. Woo. Yeah, and a rainbow, and I'm, I'll be set. I gotta a make a bunch of them chartreuse over whites because I have a just, I have a chartreuse over white that I was gonna actually throw for real stripers if the boat didn't break down. Hmm. Reference beginning of the podcast for that. <laughs> Our boy Chad oh, proved them up north. Yeah, isn't that where the the design was uh, crafted? Started, yeah. I, I'd made them in the past, and he's like, kind of do this, and maybe try this a little bit. And started tweaking a little bit and fished it, and I was like, all right, that looks all right. Then made a couple changes to it. I was like, oh, that looks real good. That thing fishes like a glide bait, and then if you work it like with quick like arm movements, the whole back end just dances and runs with it, and then as soon as you stop, it turns sideways and it just holds there. Fish is like a mix between like a Rapala and like a swim bait. You can do a lot with it. Yeah, you can do a lot with it. You can fish it many different ways and on different type of densities. I mean, with an intermediate line, it's dang near fishing immediately as soon as it hits. I fish it with, I fish it with full sinking lines, but in the situation, you know, where I'm gonna dance it in, in some seriously, even like, I man, we've talked to, do you, do you talked about this today. Full sinking line, Jason. Eh, well, not full sink. <laughs> I, I like sink tips. I like sink tips. I like a floating line. Because I hate in our river, you don't want line going no, into the water you if you're if you're waiting, weight. you know, That's if you're not in the much. boat or if you're not in the boat, you know, uh, to where you know if you're putting line down next to you, you know, it's not just getting stuck in all kinds of rocks and shit like that. I like it to float. It's a little nicer with the sink tip though. It's perfect. It'll do anything, like you were saying. It just I can get it to sit and move even like a game changer a lot without moving a lot. You know what I mean? Without moving it far in the That's water, the thing is without having to strip it too far, yeah, don't, you can don't get, make big pop, 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 strips pop, 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 with boom, it. Boom, boom, boom! You can twitch it with even rod twitches, and it'll kick, 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 move, mm-hmm. bounce, 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 and hold buoyancy, which I like, and, and hover. Yeah, you don't you can get a hover. Don't and get a make hover, long man, strips will get crushed with it. Once in a while, if you just you move it fast for a second, and then the hover, and then all of a sudden it's just okay, gone. Hey. And walleye too. That was a spinning reel sound, but it depends on what kind of reel you got. I I just like the sound. Uh, 
but Jace, we were talking earlier today even about just this, you know just the but the cat and mouse about it in a certain time of year is the most fun I, is the most fun way to catch them. But you know anytime any other you know clousers are great, even a smallmouth. You know we all want to watch the smallmouth come up and smash a uh, big swim fly, but you know certain times of year call for the clousers or this or that. But I. I like the eat. And I think we could bury down clousers right now and find wipers and smallies and probably some of the big poles, but we're going to have to anchor on them. And obviously, be able to float by. We're going to be right uh, just, past them. Just then. throw the four-inch four, or four inch hollow fly. It'll yeah. still get the job done. Mm, I don't think so. Not no? this time of the year. I, I think we should go back to clousers, personally. If, if they were in there, if they were, we're where they feed I at, think you're 55, that would work. You, I, I'm, I'm really going to say you're 55 and under is where that really sets, and they start yep. dropping deep. Is that, that temp? Yeah, where, I, the, where the muskies are really going to start wanting that bait to hang a little more is when you start seeing them other warm water fish start to recede deeper. Yep. Pike slow down. Everything slows down right now. You see only a little more everything. everything. Only fishing that's really active or the fish that are going to need to continue to feed like a crappie in the walleye. They're trying to put that feed on now heavy you know smallmouth do it but, but it's such that, a right small now, window it's such a small window on smallmouth in the late fall i mean right now you don't got to work that bait fast at all i mean that fly can mm-hmm. be just Out, that, that just pause as long is as you're in the water right now yep yep oh, especially with some water we get some water you know uh, if the water no, water comes up in the fall mm-hmm. a little bit now and they're usually most of our water is that tailwater anyway so you're talking when they let out the lakes for the winter time I mean, and like the, them fish all through this week. Higher polar water. That fit fly would hit the water, and I'm talking like strips, as in like a couple, like like an inch or two, like pop up, and then like a three inch pull, and then that bait would come a little bit and it turned side, and then that pause it would hang there, and then boom, you'd see the flash. It was just that that nice broadside pause, that like twitch, 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 and like kind of gave that back end like it was injured, and then just hung. And on that hang is when they're liking that pause right now. It's getting colder as we speak. Because <coughs> they're taking a dose right now. Well, we but took like what? There's a half inch of snow. There's on the gonna be. A, I, I think we're gonna have a, We're gonna have a few days shut down here with fishing. This is gonna lock them up, and then that warm spell will bring them back a little bit. And we're gonna have to kind of cater these fish know. a little bit. I don't bit. think this is, gonna, this is gonna be weird for a few weeks. It's not gonna interrupt now. it too long because no, not long. A couple we, days. We had warmer temps with all the rain. Now we got a cold, and I don't think that's gonna affect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The it's gonna be back to seventy degrees. It, but our days but are going to be... it's only going to last days for are how short. long? Yeah, our days are short now. Everything's I mean, changed. it's going to be 70 degrees for, what, four or five days? But Well, one week, I think Wednesday all the way into next Monday or something, a good a good spell of of normal temperatures for a few days, which is what we haven't had. So it's maybe one of the best times to get out, you know, to hit that before conditions hinder you so much and, and it becomes very hard. I don't like fly fishing when it's cold, dude. It's not fucking well, easy. yeah, because you don't get to oh, fucking rip it. a fly over top of any favorite. fish that wants to hit. You yeah, you actually, duh. You gotta work for him. Now you get to work a fly. <laughs> you gotta work fish for him. Now's when that. it's fun. You get to fish flies now. This is the best time. Hell no. I had Every a little had, bit of listen, action. I had to steal and chase my shit it. the other day. I had to steal and chase my shit the other day, and I I was like already casting by the time he came up to my feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I was trying to rip it too fast, apparently. But yeah, the fish was like right there at my he feet. He wanted to hit it in the hang down. Yeah. And you didn't give him a hang down. No, it was weird, man. It was just weird. I was like, oh, one's chasing it, but I was already making the cast for the next cast. 
there was no water in front of me. I was in a quite small spot. But I wanted to ask him about wild. figure and eight, figure eighting with the pike, and I didn't get to ask him about it. Mm. I bet he does. I'm sure he's had to have get one at least like that, right? I'm sure like a bunch. <laughs> of fucking Pogo got one on video. He has to catch pike on the figure eight. I just figured he would. Yeah. He would stay. He would eat just normally like any. We all would. I can use these now. I'm taking yeah. them back. Go for it. Um, what you think is I don't think that's on every casting in Pike. I think if you see them, you ate, right? Yeah, I mean, Pike don't tend to. If they're hanging that far back, you don't see them when the fly's right there. They're not going to eat they're it. They're not interested. No. I mean, if they're that far back, it's it's not worth it. They're just going to hang there. Their the ambush time. is going to be them following it to the eight. You know, it's what you're saying. You'll probably mm-hmm. see them coming in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. I've had him eat at my feet, and I've had him I'm standing there and twitched him the whole way around my body and made a circle with him. I mean, they followed it around. I mean, they'll, But if they're hanging back and you don't see them by the time you get there, they're not going to come up and crush it. No. Hit it at the last second, yeah. I like them with the pike. I don't as never soon catch as you land it on your head, strip, strip, and then bam, you just see that flash real quick out there. Wait for it. Oh, there he is. I'm going to have to fish the pike around. Set. You know what? We didn't do that this past year. This is the first year in a couple years we didn't. Probably ought to get back on that again. Yeah, we should get on a pike train. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, um, hey, do we have anything else we want to hit on this evening, guys? No? No? Unanimous no? Okay. Quiet. Hey, uh, let's do some plugs. First plug of mine. Go out and fucking vote. Vote on Tuesday. If you don't vote, I don't want to hear you bitching. Tonight's show has been brought to you by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out, PredatorFlyGear.com. Eric Sooks, EricSooks.com. Sims Fishing. Fish it well. Find all your gear at SimsFishing.com. Eric Sooks. I'm a stoner. I just said that. Yeah, but I felt pressure. Hey, the <laughs> pressure... Tonight's show has been brought to you live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check them out at urbanflycompany.com. Sims Fishing. You got one life. Fish it well. You already did. I already did that one. God damn it. We're all stoners. Hey, damn it. Jesus fucking Christ. What is happening now? I have a list right here, guys. That's okay. I'm going to say my one one of my buddies. We need to like hang it over the city. Ryan Evans. Check him out at queencityguiding.com. Yeah, all so your Yeti for built for the wild. Hey, you check out Why Not Fishing in their app, The Dock. Hey, we will see you guys next week. Our guest will be John Seals. Uh, check him out, guys. It's the greatest goddamn rock and roll band of all time. No.